Game begin. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Spike Colony podcast. I am back from my travels to Australia where the coffee and the breakfast was incredible. Meanwhile, my renegade podcast co-host just just hit up everybody in the in the in the team discord and was like, let's have a chat. <laughs> whoever, whoever wants in. I would have gotten Tom, but you came back from Australia. <laughs> yeah. So um, Tom's probably feeling left out with with basically like I I haven't been on a Spike Colony podcast for I don't know um, three episodes since the twenty third of so over a month. Um, Fuck it, we ball. Yeah, we never talked about the. Um, the quote unquote one K the closer to, uh, you know, somewhere between 500 and one K, uh, uh, at volleyball ourselves. Um, we never talked about, um, just how crazy it was that there were three mid-sized Swiss tournaments, all won by basic mountain. You talked to talk to BK, um, with that a little, we, we need to talk about uh, red green oath pollution. Um, we need I won to a very small meetup with red green oath pollution. Yeah, uh, that oh, that was submitted to TC. That was submitted to TC just to make oh, sure no, we're submitting all of everything. Every as you know, yeah. Mike and I are just going to show up to a bar and like play like five games of Magic, and it's like boom, one two, baby. <laughs> one of us won. Yeah, there one was a winner. One of us won those five games. There was a winner, a loser, a trophy. Um, we can talk about uh the Doomsday Cabal. Uh, put together oh my by Mike I Arnold. Doomsday on Thursday. I was going to play mono white stacks, but should I play Doomsday? I bought all the cards for both decks, except for I forgot to buy Sylvan Safekeeper. So you don't yeah. have Sylvan Safekeeper. You, I you have I don't know, Safekeeper weird, SIGs weird and games. you have no Safekeepers themselves. I have. I, I, it's just a weird gap. Um, it's just a weird gap. Yeah, I honestly, I, I honestly don't know where to start. I mean, I think. The first thing I should say is probably so I want to start with the story of how you had started O and two and I had started two and O. Um yeah. and we're just and then I don't know. I actually but actually the conversation's really like so O and two, you're just obviously not having a good day. And you're like, okay, well I'll play I'm it. I'm dead out. already. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're in a horrible mood, uh, but you're playing and then you rally back to two and two and then you're just kind of like, okay, well, you know, whatever. And then also there might even be a chance, but you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm locked. I'm at a uh, three and one going into the last round. Um, so a draw locks me and you know, we're just having this conversation and we're just like, how do you choose a deck for a tournament? And um, I'm going to use a very, bad analogy because I know you hate analogies, um, hate analogies, but you might relate to this as you're a parent with um, one kid in college and, and another kid on their way to college. Um, so I had the privilege of having my way uh, paid through college by my parents. Uh, they could afford a private university. So I went to Cornell for two years. Um, I realized uh, it wasn't working out for me at Cornell. I was studying social science. Um, I didn't really see a future in that. And so I took a year off. I started working in coffee shops. That's how I got started, especially coffee. Um, 
you know, knew I could put my energy towards being a filmmaker a little better and then sort of did the pivot and transferred to NYU uh, for film school. So then I finished the last two years out for film school. Um, Did you do great at Cornell? I mean, NYU film school is so hard to get into. um, NYU film school is easier to get into than Cornell. (laughs) So I was doing good in Cornell. I actually didn't get into NYU the first time I applied, which is why I didn't do a clean transfer. So I I took a year off and then I applied again and they let me in. Um, I was doing good at Cornell. I I had like a, you know, high, high, mid, mid, high three point something GPA. Um, I was doing fine in my classes, but it, you know, just going to class and doing the homework, like just doesn't mean anything, you know, it's it's good on you, man. Yeah. It's, it's just, well, it's just like, you know, like you have nothing to, in high school, you're doing it to get into college. Once you're in college, you're just like, you got to start thinking about what's the point. He goes to enough class to stay on the varsity basketball team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes they're like, Could you ask your son to go to class? And I'm like, what are the penalties for him not going to class? And they're like, well, if he goes to really a very small percentage of class, he won't be able to play basketball anymore. Well, uh, how's the basketball record? Well, they hadn't losing a game in the last two years. Like, okay, uh, what's his GPA? Like 98%. I think he's probably doing fine. <laughs> He'll uh, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think he'll probably figure it out. This is also a gifted and talented school, right? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, so one of the things that, so the problem is I like, I left that experience. I was like, Jesus Christ, like college costs so much freaking money. And, um, I'm sure you're, you're enjoying. Yeah. The, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. And I was just like, I was just like, um, and then I left college and now I'm in this like career in video editing and I'm just like barely helped along by my degree. Now, luckily I did, I do have a degree that's adjacent to what I'm doing, but I didn't even learn the skills because when I was in college, I was really focused on a bunch of other stuff besides editing. Editing just happened to be what people paid me to do when I get out of college. Anyways, bottom point was, I think that the system's broken. I think that we shouldn't take, you know, uh, 18 year olds and force them to make, you know, six figure life decisions, uh, when they just don't, they don't even know what they're into, you know? Oh yeah. Um, Tell me about it. So, um, it's, I think my son's going to be an interesting case. Like my daughter knew she was going to go to medical school or She's actually turboing through college. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so. You, to be clear, university is very useful for that kind of eighteen-year-old, yeah. right? <laughs> she's like a she's a turb. She's gonna graduate a year early, you know, stuff like that. Um, and you know, she's she's doing great. All the which is great for me because it's gonna save me like a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> Thanks. you go. Thanks, Bella. <laughs> good work. <laughs> so, good work. Um, uh, so. But uh, set that aside for a sec. Like my son, um, he actually has gotten offered academic scholarships, which I found to be shocking. Uh, <laughs> you're, just, you're just like this guy. Okay. <laughs> you're like, are you sure you got the right florist? <laughs> uh, which he's not, he's very smart, right? But he like he plays like the dumb one. So like we just make jokes. Like, can you even read? He's like. I can download an audio book. So like he's playing this role. Yeah. So yeah. It's just he, in our family, right? He's so, like, it's, it's, it's like weird. It's not cool to be smart. So he's just like, yeah. So it's super <laughs> weird to be, to, uh, we're just like offered academic scholarships to schools I've heard of. Right. Uh, and, but then I, I think, I don't know what he's going to do. He's gonna do whatever he wants to do. Uh, and I'm going to try to be supportive of that, but I think he's just going to go somewhere where he can play basketball and then yeah. um and then figure out the, the for yeah three or four years because i just don't i honestly just don't think it matters i think he's right? just going to turn into a uh you know he's just going to turn into a professional sports gambler after a short stint in college right 
I, or maybe he's got he the gift of gab from his dad and he becomes a commentator. No, he's well, first of all, he's he loops me on the charm front. That's there's no question which of us has the better gift of gab, and it's not me. Um, so uh, I think he's gonna at least at the beginning, he's gonna probably get like some corporate job and he'll be very well set up for that. And then probably do that for a few years, hopefully make a little money, and then probably do an entrepreneurship route. And it just literally doesn't matter what, what kind of you just um, got you just got to study something. You got to get your paperwork done. See, that's you have to get <clears throat> you, you need to get a piece of paper stamped, yeah, so that you can make the minimum requirements for the corporate job that you apply for. And then, like, I don't think it really matters. Like, everybody knows how to work a spreadsheet, right? Like, does it really matter? You know, if you studied ecology or you know, so management, you're not so you're my, gonna use management skills as a first year person at a at a in a cubicle so it's 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 so fun to like uh, compare worlds because basically all my friends got like liberal arts degrees and then worked in coffee shops and restaurants you know and they're I just like have a degree in I, poems. I, I understand i understand but so, that's the irony I've, the irony I've, is that I've, you're <laughs> you i am a corporate executive yeah <laughs> uh, let's just call it, let's just call it um Let's just call it um, a generational difference <laughs> and say yes. that either that or, you know, my, maybe my friends aren't, aren't as clever as you. Regardless, um, I view. Um, so one thing that my parents, you know, it, obviously they take great offense to me being like, well, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it doesn't feel like it was worth it. And they're just like, what are you? Anyways, they, um, and then then they were just like, well, if you were to like give advice to like a young person, like what would you tell them to do? Would you tell them to go to school? Would you tell them to not go to school? And I would be like, if they don't know what they want to do, I don't think I don't think they should go to school because of the risk of um of uh bottoming out and then just being stuck with a loan right so like if you uh, if you yeah, do college and then you don't get an outcome that re results in any kind of career right then you're just basically the same person you would be at 22 except for you're you know 50 grand poorer well more than i mean first of all you de you deferred four years of income if you if you just went to the workforce yeah yeah 18, i mean let's you would have earned 80 000. let's give yeah let's even give a charitable were, even if you were at like I'm trying to give my absolute minimum I'm, job. I'm giving the pro them. college team a charitable, uh, wow. you know, a charitable, uh, some charitable numbers. But anyways, I'm just saying there, there's risk, right? There's downside. And like people like to focus on just the upside. And they're like, oh, you'll get X percent better income as a college grad. It's like, well, X percent, like if you take one engineer who makes, you know, 400 grand a year, and then you take one liberal arts major and they make less than the median, and then you average them, you'd be like, yeah, well, college served both of these people. <laughs> You've served both the of these average, people. The average bachelor's degree holder, the average bachelor's degree holder earns a million dollars more than the average high school graduate over the course of their lifetime. And like, that's, it's a, it's, it's what jobs are you qualified for at, with a, with a, just a high school diploma. And that's not like a judgment thing. It's just like, let's say you wanted to get like, the minimum job on a trading floor in order to kind of move up. Cause if you're a great trader, yeah, they want to find people with like quantitative mindsets or whatever, but how many English classes you went to doesn't really impact that. Right. But they just, there's just like a, line on a piece of paper that says you have to have a bachelor's degree. Right. Right. For this but job, you see, but you see my point, right? You see my point is that you're averaging, you're averaging, um, 
you know, doesn't account for like if you had means um, before you went into school um, and then you're averaging also just um, erases effectively the the risk, right? Because that statistic is very compelling, right? It's like, oh, you're a million dollars over a lifetime. Well, some people are are getting 10 mil plus $10 million over their lifetime. And some people are uh, paying off a loan that like doubled in size over the course of the 20, 20 years falling and they get washed out by the statistic. And that brings me back to how are to pick a deck back to pre-modern, how to pick a deck for a <laughs> tournament. Um, so, <clears throat> um, I am, extremely risk averse, right? I have this like risk averse mindset. I've, I've proven it on this podcast, uh, many times of the way, the, the way that I've, I mean, uh, Manos talked about it. Um, I don't like, I just don't like taking risks. I have like the sort of reduke thing of just like, well, if I'm, I'm better, I want to win. And so we're sitting and I'm locked for top eight and you're two and two. <clears throat> and I was like, Mike, I feel like you took a risk uh, picking burn for this event because your losses were to like enchantress bad matchup. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what, uh, the dreadnought, you lost a dreadnought. <laughs> I'm just like, I was just like, I lost the role. Yeah. You're like, you lost the coin. I was like, why would you expose yourself to that kind of variance? Which is why would you take on a risk? <laughs> Everyone right? loses to dreadnought the spot that I did. Mike won the roll and had turned to Dreadnought the, and two of the point games. is not what had happened, happened after you sat down to play. The point is what had happened before that you had ran burn into a room of 22, 27, 22. Well, I forgot how much it was mid twenties people, three of whom were playing the Dreadnought deck and you all were of whom made top eight. and all of whom <laughs> made top eight. And I was like, Mike, why would you expose yourself to that risk? And your answer was like, I don't think I'm risking something. So my my analysis would just be like, I think about this burn pick as being this like um, <clears throat> you can have a great tournament or you can have a tournament where you bottom out and you find yourself, you know, with way more debt than you started with. What, what if I had superior plot armor? Because nobody plot armored like I did in that tournament. Well, uh, it's a great <laughs> irony. Ever plot armored. The great irony was, um, I mean, I didn't. So I had um, also exposed myself to unnecessary risk because, um, well, I mean, there were some circumstances like I had basically just worked nonstop. Um, up until the day of the tournament and, and, uh, I just like, didn't have time to prepare. Um, and so I, I was going to pick the deck that was built in, in my deck box. Like I wasn't going to like come up with something. Um, but also, uh, I had basically been like, okay, I just need to dodge cam. Cause I don't like grow versus enchant, uh, enchantress. However, this caveat to the caveat, I added two ray of revelation to my sideboard. And then now I'm just like not scared of any deck that contains enchantments because the ray of revelation just solos every Sylvan library and oath of druids that, that just hits the table. It's just like, Oh, your deck can't draw cards. It's like, okay, well I'm going to we, one for you, one you. Can, and then I, I want to spend like an hour on this, on this thing that you're saying, but this is not the core <laughs> thing that you're talking Anyways, about now. Core thing I'm talking about. You're saying I want to talk about. Okay. Core thing I'm saying, um, you know, how do you pick a deck for a tournament? Like, do you pick something where you're exposing yourself to risk? I mean, and, and this has been talked about at length amongst like the grinder crowd, which is just like, like, that's like the Frank Karsten thing of just like, look, if you pick a, a deck that has really high upside and really high downside, uh, really low downside, you're going to uh, win more tournaments because you don't win tournaments by going 
three and two. Um, but the flip side of that is that if you're, you know, read MFing Duke, you can just overpower your, your, your opponents. It's, it's sort of, it, it, uh, kind of has a little bit of this Iron Man Hulk vibe, but what's kind of crazy is that despite all of this posturing and thinking about, you know, whatever we both think that we're making safe choices when we, when we registered our decks for the events and we both got a result that we can be proud of. I don't think I would use safe as the adjective that I just, I just think that, you know, you just, you just have like a bunch of beakers, right? I, I hate analogies, but you have a bunch <laughs> of beakers and you're just like putting stuff into the beakers. I felt burn beaker had the most stuff in it. That's why I chose it. Right. Maybe I didn't pour enough out when I was thinking about that, but I, there's just, you know. You didn't pour out the overload. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Fucking e told me to play that overload. Um, but uh, just my number one thing is I need to pick a deck that beats Lanny. That is my <laughs> number one thing. I picked a deck that beat Lanny. Although I was talking to Caffeine. And you got paid this. off for it again. I it's did. It's just like every time. Floor. I only beat you because you mulliganed to five, and I don't think that Grotog is a good matchup for Burn anymore. I think it used to be an un unlosable matchup, especially when I added the third Curse Scroll. But with your mana control and chill sideboard, it's a bad matchup. If you had multi, you almost beat me. You multi five and blew up your entire board, uh, and still almost beat my. Yeah, deck still just board. needed to draw a plow. Anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you, and I literally you multi five and had to blow up your own board, and I still almost lost. So and you died to like a top deck, uh, Ooh, lava dart or yeah, barbarian rain. That's what it was. It, it, Cause red spell doesn't do it. Spell. Yeah. 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 So, cause I was under chill. So, um, the, the moral of the story is just plot armor. Cause I also don't think this is a good matchup anymore. So, uh, and Kevin is, no, it's a great matchup. And I'm like, you have to gear one. It. That's the only way you can play. And he's just like, well, no, that's terrible. You're going to play into fire ice. I'm like, if you sit back, it's going to chill you and then cast Armageddon or winter orb. And you're never going to cast another spell, right? You have to jam gear one. Like, you even made that comment when we were playing, and I just laid out all my jack ups You're like, what gear are you in? And I'm like, the only <laughs> gear I've got. Yeah. <laughs> so you had, you had fire ice, but I just got a little damage in, right? You know, before, before the fire ice ate me. Um, but I really, like, if, if, my, if my posturing is to beat Lanny and you're still going to be on Grotog, I think I got to pick another strategy because I, this one's played out. Yeah. Uh, so, but that was, you know, that's number one on my list. B, I think that Dreadnought's a good matchup. Maybe I'm the only person who thinks that, uh, you don't loot win the games in game one where they win the role and they have a turn two Dreadnought. That's mathematically not yeah. possible. You win, win some games. game ones where you kill them in four turns on the play. Yeah. And you then a really good sideboarder matchup. And then, yeah. And then you look, if you, if you're going to bring in four mock salvage, it's actually hard to think about how, um, how game can two win. and three has to go for them. <laughs> well, you can just yeah. not draw the Malik Salvage. It's a four of, so you're I mean, you're forty percent I mean, to miss. You know, I kept one land, two two red blasts overload in game three. If I had drawn either a land, I just all I had to do was draw a land. I couldn't lose the game, right? But you know, I didn't draw the land. Yeah, uh, well. and uh, you know, or if it was Malik Salvage, I would have also won. Right? Yeah, so course. either of those things, um, I would have won. And I had one game too, right? And Mike had the optimal draw in game one and game three. Do you have his optimal draw could not beat my side? Do you own four mock salvage? I own like way more than four mock salvage. And in fact, I own four foil etched new border mock salvage for the meme version of it. Oh, game. right, right. Because you posted I didn't check that deck big yeah. for mock salvage. Um, but uh, I have four these are these are foil etched. Yeah. 
be sure to pay a visit um, over to Premodern for non idiots. Um, quick aside about Premodern for non idiots. Okay. Yeah. It appears that the Premodern for non idiot sign is having an inverse effect in which most people who look at the sign that says non idiots and goes like, well, yeah. that's me. They walk in and they refuse to read any guidelines and they just say things and then and then like whatever. Meanwhile, I have anecdotal reports from plenty of people who are verifiable non idiots who have seen the sign at the door and just being like, well, this is probably too high a bar for me. Like, I don't think I don't think. That, I'm trying to create uh, a welcome uh, community for non-idiots, and then and so they turn they turn around and they're just like you know, <laughs> I'm too I am too scared to be an idiot in this in this uh, you know in this little sub community within a community, and so I think that the name should be in fact be pre-modern for idiots. And as a result, I think the name should just be like <laughs> Spike Colony Podcast. Well, that's that's <laughs> what the name should be. That's, that's what the name should have been. But it should always have been. Spike it should have, it should have always podcast. been that. But if it was going to be between pre-modern for non-idiots or pre-modern for idiots, <laughs> yeah, idiots I think I think pre-modern for idiots would have the inverse. <laughs> it would attract many more non-idiots than the current group attracts because. <laughs> Cause just, I had to put a filtering <laughs> question on. So yeah. I remember we were getting a lot of, we were getting a lot of, uh, applicants. I'm like, Oh, this is great. And then I started looking at some of them. And I'm like, this is just spam. So yep. I literally just asked the most innocuous question, which is just like, what's your favorite pre-modern deck. And sometimes people are just like, I can't believe you're asking me that. I'm so like, I just delete that person. Like, why can you not write like dead guy ale? Like, why <laughs> no, 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 no. Dead guy ale would stop you from that's what they think is happening. They think if they answer dead guy ale, we won't let them in. <laughs> I I literally don't want to not let anybody in, but people are clearly spam accounts. Pre-modern so, pre-modern for dark ritual haters. <clears throat> um, but I love people being opinionated. It's fine. Yeah. It's just what I was talking to, to BK about. I'm like, and also, did you see that one day somebody was like shit talking? Like, yeah. I don't like shit talking. I like trash talking, but shit talking. I don't like. I, I don't like negativity. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you you talked about that the last negative. time we last time we were to get yeah. together. I mean, I think. I mean, to be clear, this isn't like meant to be just like some, you know, we're better than you sort of thing. It's just the main pre modern group is like mostly like look at my cards and you know, uh, I I mean, you know, I, I have I've found. I found my spirit mongers and I want to play a spirit monger deck. And we're just kind of like, okay, well, you know, that's not what we're, we're doing. So that's cool. I think, I mean, I think the thing that I did, like, here's my foil etched mog salvages. Here's like my, you know, Kev Walker jackal pups. That's like love of the game in another way. And I love anything that people are expressing love of the game. The thing that frustrated me is like people like actively doing idiotic things asking for advice, then when you give them like well-meaning advice, and I'm not just talking about myself, I'm talking about people like BK, right? Giving people well-meaning advice and then just getting shit talked for giving people like well-meaning advice. Yeah, yeah, like, Well, it's the, it's the internet. Like, what can you do? Actively, like, I just don't want to be a part of that interaction. So I was just like, just don't do that, right? Just don't do idiot things. And the thing that gets me the most is that like the... The sentiment that I always got, if I was just like, well, I think you should, like, you know, 
like, I think that this card isn't very good in this matchup, right? Like, you know, I don't think this card isn't very good in general, right? Like, let's say you had a red deck, and for the mirror, you were going to leave your flame rifts and jackal pups in. Yeah, sure. Like, I'm like <laughs> that's awful, right? Like, you can't do that. It's like, ah, you just don't understand. I'm like, oh, I just guess I don't yeah. understand the red well, mirror. It's, I guess you know, right. it's, it's the but internet. Like, like, some people just no, kind of... So, so the... Let, let me finish this thought and then I, I won't say anything more about it, at least in this episode. Is that like people are just like, oh, you're so against brewing. And I'm like, I'm against brewing? <laughs> like, I am the most pro brewing person. And the yeah. thing that I was. You should so see the garbage about. that Michael J comes up with. And he just, just comes to me. It's just like, what if what if we splash this color and play Gaia's Blessing at this deck? It's just like, I was going to talk about that this episode. <laughs> so, That's why I said so, we have to hold on your Ray of Revelation. <laughs> But but the thing is, if you look in one week, in maybe 14 days time, we had black, blue, psychonaut, red, green, oath, palouche, mono, white, Thursday stacks, and fucking Flint Espel, hermit, not doomsday 2.0 in one week. I mean, like, and all four decks are spectacular. All four decks. Spectacular. Do something different. Have a reason to exist. I'm like, Prime Directive. how is this possible? <clears throat> they all have a reason to exist, and it was all in like a one-week span. This is what I'm there for. I was so excited. I bought all four of those decks immediately, right? So On Cool like, Stuff Inc. with I, promo code Flores. I, I also had to dip into my my good... I, I, have, a, I have a lot of nascent... Uh, uh, store credit at face-to-face games from my my long yeah, yeah, podcast associations so <laughs> I, I did i mean i wanted to uh you know t- uh, toa uh, uh um started posting about sponsoring and i was just like oh we should get on the toa train oh uh but I, I, fran's I, probably going to look into that first we should we should uh become officially sponsored by foil bug how about that i i i think <clears> that we i don't know what foil bug would sponsor us with but i will take anybody's money yeah <laughs> It's true. Pornhub. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go. Let's go ahead and wrap on that because um, I wanted to be like, okay, um, Wait, you, you, you won. About uh, you, we're talking about volleyball. So uh, you won with the burn. Um, I was apparently incorrect. <laughs> um, I mean, I the best plot armor. The big question. The question is, uh, who made the best decision? Uh, obviously, before the tournament. What would you, what would you say? I mean, I think the only decision that I made was not asking you for an extra copy of chill. <laughs> but if I had uh, done that, then you would have not played. Burn. <laughs> I'm like, Hey Mike, I only have three chills. Can you lend me a fourth? And you're like, sure. I'm not going to play. Burn. I, I, so here's the thing. I was like, like one, it has to be me. Cause I won the tournament. And no, it I, doesn't have to, right? It has to be results oriented thinking, Mike, if you, who made the best you know bet? That I'm pro results oriented. I know you are, but who made the best pre-flop? decisions is what i'm saying okay, neither one of us okay dave kaplan made the best pre-flop decision in third place player mike harris made the best decision neither of us did okay yeah. there were three siphonaut decks in the tournament all three made top eight yeah two blue white and one, blue one of us. yeah yeah so i think yeah. that um that in pre-modern part of the i think part Hold of on. The caveat to they made top eight they walked into the top eight they made top eight with very <laughs> oh, little yeah. resistance none of them lost any games <laughs> i mean they, they might they lost games to each other 
and then they uh, uh, and then they lost games um, when they were playing for seeding. That's like the only times well, they lost games. Alex Kavirus, uh lost to Cam because Cam decided to play for first position, and thank God he did. Yeah, because well, that yeah. was one of the but, reasons. Uh, I uh, my ex. Mike Mike Harris also lost to Dave Kaplan. So. But it was it was a sweet story. Uh, be sure to tune into the latest uh, Premont cast where the, uh, Mike Harris talked about his tournament. But he was just like, I played against Dave Kaplan, and I've always just been like, play the dreadnought, go, and I just like I never wait. Um, and so I played against Kaplan, and I like lost because Kaplan's patient and like knows how to play because the Kaplan deck better than me. How the beer works. <laughs> And then, so, so for the rest of the tournament, I was just like, okay, I'm going to be more patient. And then of course he just like sweat the rest of the tournament. He's just like the, had a fine the time. Best, the best Mike Harris story was, uh, he beats me round one, round two, he sits down against his opponent. I don't, not a hundred percent on his opponent is his opponent looks at his hand. It's like, oh, this hand is so good. It's not good against Hermit Feb. Yep. So he his opponent, it. He his opponent was, his opponent was sunny. I think. I think yeah, it was sunny. Like, it might have been sunny. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know who it was. Yeah. I just know the story. Yeah. Uh, but he was just like, he looks at his hand. He's like, this hand is so good. It's just not good against Hermit Feb. So he sends it back. Oh, I we, mean, like. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a uh, stone cold Mike Harris for you. Uh, uh, I, I guess Greg Fenton is a huge vintage guy we didn't know about. Um, the eventual uh, runner up in the tournament. Shout out to Greg for. Classic coming out and I, I really hope to see him more in uh the pre-modern streets uh, uh so i want to segue my segue ultimately is just like choosing a deck um i guess at this point because you're talking to me you're not going to be at hartford tomorrow i think uh i mean i could I you could still make a train <laughs> you're like still figuring I it so. i uh you know speaking of having a teenager right? like <clears throat> i i like always shelve some potential time to hang out with my son on the weekends, but he's just, just always like leaves me hanging. Like I'm a, yeah, you know what? he st stands you, you know, up a girl with her hair. fullers waiting for the it just, phone. That just happens to dads and their teenage you know, kids. Though. That's like the classic. It's like, you don't want to play catch with me anymore. You used to want to play catch. I have a teenager. They have to separate and like have their own <laughs> life. Right. But he just leaves me hanging for how, for when I'm going to hang out with them. So uh, I don't, I get, uh, so I decided like, Early on, like when uh, I moved to Brooklyn, like he's just like, oh, let's always hang out on Sundays or whatever. And we worked out together and stuff like that. And I had a magic tournament the next week and I decided I was not going to prioritize magic tournaments over spending time with my son anymore. So um, that's like a, that's a thing that I decided to do. But separate. Good on you. Uh, on the decks, the deck selection. Yeah. So it's like, let's thing. go ahead and do the what would you in, play? In pre-modern, I think that it's not this is a bit of a cop-out because of who we are and what the name of our podcast is, but it's not like a pure spike situation, right? Like getting to play what you want, getting to play the way you want, getting to play the cards you have nostalgia for is an inherent part of the, of the calculus. Right. And I love to play pre-modern burn. I love the deck more than any deck I've ever played. And it felt right. It, I mean, this is, you know, doesn't sound right mathematically, but it felt like the right deck I should play that day. Counterpoint, counterpoint. Michael J hates losing. And even if he's losing with burn, you'll catch him pretty grumpy in the O2 bracket. <laughs> wondering what went wrong. <laughs> it's like you've been lied to. Try not to lie to my audience. Try not to lie to our audience. Mike. But I love burn. I think you love I winning. Love I think you love winning. And I think 
the point of the what what to play if you're gonna if you're listening to this on your drive over to Hartford. I don't know how fast I'm gonna publish. That's published caffeinated. Um, so this isn't car. actually. We can we can go to Hartford. <clears throat> no, nah, I jump into the. We have to get a. We have to get a room. I'm like literally. I'm three hours jet lagged. It's starting at nine thirty. So it's starting at six thirty. If I were gonna time. go to Hartford, I would have gone earlier today and played in the Reese Keys. But um, you know. yeah, I mean, we got to talk about how you have to stop playing contemporary magic. It's just like over for you. Just like you should just stop. Just stop you doing think it. It's over. Because you have to, so you have to practice. You can't just roll up to these things without like. I practice. I play MTGA. That's not practice, Mike. That's that was entirely all of my practice for the for the RC seasons last year, and I made it to the RC. Yeah, but that's yeah, you know, whatever. That's the point, right? It's like, what's the point if you're not gonna if you're not gonna you know be a yeah, gunner? I, for, I feel like I, I just don't care that much, and that's I, what I'm I really seeing. Care about pre modern? Yeah, exactly. And for all the I'm for all that you care about pre modern, it's not like we're you know we're testing like twenty hours a week or whatever. I mean, I am sometimes, but not right now. But I mean, come <clears> June, <throat> are you kidding? Come September, <laughs> you think by we're the not going to boot camp. Come, come September, by the way, for Michael J and the rest who aren't in the know. LobsterCon, LobsterCon is LobsterCon is scheduled for September twentieth through twenty first. Yeah, we're going to start grinding in June. We start grinding now. <laughs> okay, for, for September. Um, okay, uh, so Hartford not relevant to us, but uh, what's the pick for uh, Endless Life Brewing 1K Zero Rake oh, Tournament if hosted were, by Endless Life If I were in Brewing. Hartford tomorrow, which I still might be, uh, depending on... Not ruling it out. Probably probably <laughs> not. I'm not ruling it out, but uh, if I... I would be uh, probably like a Dave Kaplan 75 tomorrow. Yeah? In Hartford. Yeah, because I don't know who my opponents are. That's a good right? point. Like if I'm... If I'm if I'm playing the volleyball tournament, I know I have to beat Lanny. Having to beat Lanny is a uh, is the it's as usual. It's the only way to the first place trophy is through Lanny. So um, that's a that's not a consideration if you're not going to be there. Which means that the default setting is I think the Dave Kaplan seventy five, which you have said repeatedly to me. Kaplan never wavers. Kaplan's never not in the top eight. I mean that's true. It's actually kind of true. Both statements are true. It's kind of, I mean, it's true about me, except for I waver, but I'm also never not in the top eight. I'm never not no, in the top eight. I play, play a different the, deck every the time. The road to victory <laughs> goes through Lanny. That is always true, right? But Kaplan never wavers. Kaplan's always in the top eight. Both of those statements are always true also. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I do think that Blue White Dreadnought, um, like... Um, I, I, I guess maybe I don't know how to conceptualize this, but one of the things about Grotog, which I love and which I would be playing, um, is that uh, it is not good against decks that have like a flat power level. Um, so it's like Grotog trades its average power level card for like the most power most powerful card the opponent has, or it just trades on tempo, right? So sometimes you just win and it's tempo. But the rest of the time, like... Uh, you know, the games that Grotog wins against the rock is like if it's winning against like natural order rock, right? Where like natural order rock only has like a few cards that matter, just like natural orders and hermits or whatever. Whereas like Lanny rock, like, you know, a freaking two, two Phyrexian rager is like actually just a giant, like that resolving is annoying. <laughs> like he's like, well, it blocks meddling mage for the rest of the game and it draws a card, <laughs> but I can't, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend a counter spell on it, but it just like, it literally, it is going to two for one me. Um, but what it trades for a gush. Your psychotog. But you can't. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, but no. um, regardless, um, 
so uh, uh, Grotar also really struggles against trade wind survival. Blue White Dreadnought also really struggles against trade wind survival. <laughs> Apparently, Greg Fenton murdered all the best players in the tournament. Yeah, it's, it's he murdered except one. Murdered Dave except Kaplan. He one. Murdered you. <laughs> he murdered Mike, Mike Harris. Harris. <clears throat> Got two owed <laughs> mercilessly. I'm like, I thought you, you lost the uh, Hydro Blast game. Do you do you pulled no, out the Hydro Blast game? Oh, okay. I won the Hydro Blast game. Okay, it just happened. That's it's a good story. Fair um, enough. But but I easily won. I still get. <laughs> oh, so you thought I lost because everything possible that could go right for my opponent happened up to and including playing a first turn hidden Gibbons, so I couldn't cast any instants. Uh, tricking me into blowing up all of my own. Dude, the hidden Gibbons was so good against Crowatog too. And then, and then following up with a with a spike feeder. Oh, you thought that that was going to be good for him? No, I won two turns later. Yeah. Just <laughs> this matchup is very bad for Squirrel Op. I have six blasts, four lava darts, four pops. Like their deck is just every card I draw is just a windmill slam against all their best cards. True. Um, Burn. So, uh, so Grotog is like really not great against a wide field, whereas. Um, like dreadnought is, uh, I mean, I, I it, it can struggle. It struggles in similar places that grow uh, grow talk struggles, but where it doesn't struggle is like uh, dreadnought's much better at beating removal because it just plays plays more counterspell and it, it creates smaller windows for like if but, your opponent is like mono vindicates grow talk is going to struggle, but mono vindicate is like too slow against. Um, but what I dreadnought. like about any dreadnought deck and this comes from my experience playing mono blue dreadnought right i don't know if you remember but i used to be a proponent of mono blue dreadnought i forgot no longer, already but, how 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 fast I, the time I passes to, i used to be a proponent feels like a distant that memory deck is, that deck is the best gear one deck in pre-modern right like you just have infinity turn two combos with free counterspell backup like you just win the vast preponderance of all of the games that you have these draws uh, against every single deck in the field, especially if you go first. So um, the only games that are up for grabs are all the games that you didn't combo them out on turn two. Like that's, that is just statement a about every single version of dreadnought, including doomsday. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the big point, which is that like, you know, Dreadnought has the highest percentage of like games where you just didn't play a game. You just won. And then the games that you have to fight for, you know, are in the margins. It's just like if you get a free win 50% of the time and then like you you only need to win like 20% more on the back of your own maneuvering. Um, so Dreadnought's still super awesome against an open field. Um you know, especially if a lot of people are going to be coming over from like the legacy tables at Hartford or uh, some of the other tables are just like, oh, hey, like I want to play my, uh, you know, uh, extended deck that, uh, you know, isn't playable in pre-modern and, uh, you know, they'll get swept up. Um, unless, of course, they're avid listeners to Spike Colony Podcast and they come with the best version of their favorite extended decks from the past, then they might have a uh, have a chance. Um, or if somebody's a, a super avid listener, um, I still think all things considered, Grotog is really well positioned. It keeps on putting up results um, in the hands of Fernando Gonzalez, um, who plays quite a bit online and has won back-to-back -back online showdown PSS playoffs. PSS 5 winner, Lanny Huang. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've had my moments. I just haven't had a. Um, I haven't like. I don't like one decking the online matches. It makes you too predictable. People just like show up and they're just like you, show up with six blasts. You literally won like, the most <laughs> prestigious tournament with Grotog. I mean, it wasn't solely on the back of Grotog. It was the land tax days, so et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I did get some good data, which is just that I just had the best interaction. I hope. I hope my. Um, my top eight opponent uh, on Oath Plush um, doesn't take this, um, uh, 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 like, doesn't take any offense from this, but like, literally, I was playing against him and I was just like, I opened up, I knew he was playing Oath Plush. So, you know, I opened up my hand and I was just like, okay, like, um, this hand plays, uh, I'll be set up to counter a meddling mage um, and Oath as long as it comes down on. Uh, as long as it doesn't come down on turn one. Um, and then so I play Island. Oh, you mean it, in the. In the volleyball tournament. Yeah, volleyball tournament in the top eight. Oh, yeah. um, I watched that match. Yeah, I, I didn't know what my Oath Plush matchup was like for Grotog. So uh, anyways, like, I was like, I can beat Oath unless it comes down turn one. And like, well, sure enough, I go island. My opponent goes landmarks diamond Oath. And I'm like, okay, that's annoying. So then we just like What's play. What's your game plan there? It's, it's <laughs> just Psychotog. It's like literally just Psychotog. Um, and you have to one shot them, right? You can two shot them with enough fire ice action. Um but it's tough. Okay. And you runnered fire ice in game one. I remember I thought I played all four. Game. I played all four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this game might happen. Well, but it was like, it was just really funny because after like, after like five turns, my opponent was just like, you're just not going to play any creatures. And then I was like, Oh, you, you don't understand. <gasps> Red, who's the beat down. Is this like that time when my opponent, uh, had a crystalline sliver and then cast a worship against me? Cause he's like, I got my combo. I'm like, cool. You're dead. <laughs> It's literally one of the core, core lessons of who's the beatdown. Please elaborate. Like, it's just context, right? Like, your quote-unquote combo doesn't work all the time. Yeah, so yeah, gotta, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, like, gotta, you gotta, go gotta play like, yeah. the match if you're in, yeah. right? Like, not... <laughs> yeah, but that was just, like, so funny to me, because I was just like, you... So, uh, I'm like, do your opponents just let you trigger Oath of Druids? <laughs> I was just like, man, Oath of Druids is a really powerful card because it's Oath of Druids and Mindslaver in a single card. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that's that why Oath of Druids is so good. Of course, I realized that that's Oath of Druids is so good because people play into my oaths all the time. But it's just like so funny that I was like literally the first realize. opponent. Like I was like the first opponent that was just like, OK, well, I'm no longer going to play creatures like let the game continue. Um and then, yeah, Pelush, I play into the oath all the time. It's just a terror war. Well, my deck, my deck, it, it, my deck can't beat a terror war because it doesn't have stories of power. Yeah, so or a lot of the decks right I play, like you can have a terror war and I'm going to try to go straight through it because like, yeah, but um, yeah, the, goblins can yeah. let goblins can trigger an oath that just poops out a terror or exalted angel. But Grotog simply can't because, um, you know, uh, Grotog has to uh uh, it has to kind of have the creature on the battlefield for a few turns before it turns into a, a lethal threat. Um, so anyways, the way that game played out, um, yeah, it was just super close. Like they eventually they're like, you're not going to play any creatures. And then I was like, I just like looked at him and then, and then I passed and he's like, okay, I'll play Terravore. And then I was like, okay, trigger oath. And then I was just like, I need the oath to hit Psychotog, obviously. And the oath just hit a dryad, but we play on, right? The Terravore was probably like a two or three turn clock. And, and Dryad versus Terravore was fine. And then I could like play Meddling Mage Naming Plow. Anyways, this Terravore was like a 9-9. I iced it for four turns straight trying to get to a Psychotog and it just didn't happen. And then that was it. Um, uh, great story. In uh, the Swiss, we both played uh, another pre-mod cast host, Andrew Walker, in that tournament, right? 
Uh, and he demolished me in game one because, as you know, the Enchantress matchup isn't exactly great for Bird, right? Nope. In the, deci- in the deciding game, uh, I'm like, oh, my hand's great. And I'm like, first turn Lava Man. He goes like first turn Oath or whatever second turn Oath because then maybe he's on the play in game three. So my Lava Man's job was to just kill himself, right? So he, yeah. I'm like, oh, is there any way to even get damage in? Because I'm like, oh, man, I'm just so far behind, right? And you so can play like, the you easy. can play the wheel of Neshoba or Enchantress. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love playing well, that. So I'm having Neshoba against you. So yeah. I was just like, I can't let him oath. Like if it's a if it's a if it's a an Enchantress, that's bad enough. Because right? yeah, because it but can just Neshoba, get worship I, I, or solitary. Yeah, really hard for me to beat. Right. <laughs> so um, so I, I Lava Man killed himself. Right. He's just like fuck it. He he just plays an Enchantress and says go. And I'm yeah, like, like reveal oh, ball lightning. <laughs> I'm like, I had a ball lighting in my hand and I'm like, this is how I sideboard it. <laughs> like reveal ball lighting, cast ball lightning, fire blast. He's just like, yeah, Sheesh. maybe I shouldn't have cast the enchantress. Yeah. <laughs> I told you my hand was great. <laughs> yeah. Triggering Oath of Druids is, a, is like a fun, uh, like I hate Oath of Druids, but it is fun to like, you know, like I love land tax, right? Because I was like, I was just like, you know, I, I'm just like, it makes you feel smart when you like, <laughs> trigger land tax or, land tax or you or you don't trigger land tax like if you're playing against land tax and then you like don't trigger land tax and then your opponent wins you're like that's like literally the most gratifying win possible right and i just did that all the time with grow talk right i would just be like you know island they'd be like trigger i'd be like gosh and they'd be like okay it's like my deck when it only draws one card a turn instead of seven is actually really really bad um which um you know uh we can talk about ray of relation now because like ray of relation i think is the most underrated sideboard card in pre-modern it's so good that i would splash green into an otherwise just white deck to play it um the other green card you made fun of me the only the only other green card the only other green card i wouldn't splash into a deck is guy's blessing all right so here's my thought start with thursday's deck there's 14 planes let's we should um we should we should uh, remind people about um, Thursday's deck because um, uh, it's a relatively new deck. So shout out to uh, the Magic Online Society in the first ever MTGO pre-modern challenge that had um, over 32 players. Um, it featured, of course, uh, F. Paluche or Francisco Polichek taking out first place with red green. Oath Palouche, but it also saw the sort of tournament debut. I've tested against this list a little bit. Uh, the tournament debut of Ricky Thorson or Thursday is God playing mono white control. Um, and uh, it's just, it's just, it no, no, it's put under it's stack. It's just, stack. well, TC decks um, has a automatic, like enough same, you know, TC decks has to put it into an archetype. So it would be stacks or it'd be rogue. So they went with stacks. Um, but anyways, it's mono white control. Um, it is four internal ex- dragon, four exalted angel, four plows, two decrees, three wraths, one seal, two marble diamond, two Phyrexian furnace. So hot these days, two temporal aperture, two Thran dynamo, four curse troll, four mindstone, mindstoning these nuts, uh, 26 lands, one core haven, three dust bowl, four factories, four ports and 14 planes. So it's just like an internal dragon, um, Eternal Dragon, Exalted Angel, Cursed Scroll, like four copies of Cursed Scroll, uh, Control Deck. All of the card advantage is generated by Temporal Aperture and Cursed Scroll and and no, Eternal Dragon. And Eternal Dragon. Um, so, and I guess Decree of Justice is card advantage. It's just like a mana. This deck is just Tron. I mean, come on. Yeah, so I was thinking, like, is it better to just play the Tron? But if you play the Tron, then you don't get the Eternal Dragon engine. The 
the thing that I like about this deck the most is that uh, it has like a lot of the traits of the decks that are attractive to certain types of players, including myself, right? It has a lot of the traits that are uh, that like are in playable Dead Guy Ale or in Red White Rifter, but the presence of like all these Mind Stones, Diamonds, and Thrand Dynamos makes it so you don't lose to Armageddon anymore. In fact, go ahead and Armageddon me. I'm probably going to be way ahead, idiot. Yeah, you'll probably have that's more mana the, sources. Yeah, so uh, that's one of the things that's really attractive. So my thought process was, this is one of the worst Decree of Justice decks I've ever seen because you might accidentally hit the Decree of Justice with um, with uh, Temporal Aperture. Sure. That's obviously a great Decree of Justice deck if you're tapping all of your artifact mana to to hit either X or XX or whatever. But it 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 has a very bad fail state because I mean you're let's be let's be clear about something about temporal aperture. There are only eight good spells to hit with temporal aperture. Like you're like oh I might hit decree of justice with temporal aperture. You might hit wrath of God when you have an exalted angel in play. Like yeah, just don't play it. Temporal aperture is uh, decree is not the problem. Temporal aperture is hi. It's no, me. This deck, temporal aperture is the problem. It's me. It's like this deck is looking for like just play jam day tome. Come like just freaking play jam day tome. Like y- you have all this. Is- you're gonna temporal aperture on two like. Just, just play JMD Tome. On God. Lanny, I play Jalem Tome. You've got this Eternal Dragon Engine. Jalem Tome? Oh my God. They must have had real good drugs in Australia. <laughs> Jalem Tome. Um, um, uh, so quick I, quick about I, the sideboard. Sideboard is four Sphere of Resistance, two Cop Red, two Curse Totem, two Disenchant, two Warmth, one Abolish, one Seal of Cleansing, one Wrath of God. What do you think about our only plan against combo being Sphere of Resistance, Dust Bowl, and Port? Okay, well, Sphere of Resistance... And a little Cursed Totem. It's like a passable card against against Dreadnought decks, but you still have all this other stuff. I would definitely be kind of on the uh, Abeyance plan, but that's part of my thing with green, right? So I'll tell you my idea. Swap out Marble Diamond for Moss Diamond. You don't need more white. The deck already has a ton of white, and so Marble Diamond is a little redundant there. But So add that, and then... Um, Take out five planes, so go down to nine planes. This obviously makes Eternal Dragon a little worse, but still being able to draw nine extra cards is probably pretty good. And then replace them with one forest and four wooded foothills. Cut Decree of Justice for Gaia's Blessing, which I understand you think isn't very good in this deck. However, I just shored up two of the key combo endgames, right? I stopped Storm. I stopped the uh, sideboarded um, the, well, this, sideboarded Brain, let's, brain let's Freeze go ahead in, and, in 12-12. Let's go ahead and, and, and I stopped half of Half of Devour. Well, I have to stop you right there because two of the decks you played are not decks, and we don't really set out to beat not decks at at, at Magic tournaments. Like the combo decks are, are Replenish and Hermit Fab, and then to some extent the Angry Hermit deck. Yeah. So my thought process though is by adding green, I actually get Ray of Revelation because this deck is very very bad against Enchantress. But if I have four Ray of Revelations, then I. Maybe I have some playing as a maybe it's not good enough. I think maybe they can just over the top you, even though you have four ray of revelations. Well, I think you'd have to. I mean, four ray of like ray of revelation is good against enchantress if you can if you have something for the Ar- Argothians, right? Because if they just eventually gotta, draw to Argothian, then you're you're cooked. But I mean, I don't I don't even think them. it's that good against them. I think that the decks that. It's really good. So to be clear, to be clear, it's really good against Oath Blush. To be to to be clear, uh, in in Grotog. Ray of Revelation is extremely good against Enchantress. 
because you can close the game. Yeah, because they have no time. Yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, the ability to close the game in one or two of attacks is the is the unique feature. It could have been boomerang. Yeah. Well, it might be. That's the. uh, I mean, not quite, but just because the some of the enchantress are solitary confinement, (laughs) so like you can't can't exactly boomerang that just for one turn. But uh, this deck does have exalted angel, which like can make for a clock. But I I agree fundamentally that like not. I, I think like maybe the idea is not good because it's you have no way to you, you can't just win in one or two attacks in this deck no yeah. matter what right i'm like, down to overwhelming advantage well I, i'm down to basically say uh something that's always been true about pre-modern which is that the uh main combo decks um dreadnought uh angry hermit not replenish um to some extent hermit feb are better disrupted by source of plowshares than by any other single card um but they all have sorts of pleasures, backup plans. and stuff. No, of course. But that's like, but that's your like first line of defense. Once you start getting to your second lines of defense, they're like a lot like dice here. Right. So like a bands, you can't like a bands is, is as good as, uh, you know, anything that's going to stop them from one turn. Right. You need to kill, kill somebody that the turn you cast a bands or the turn after. Um, it's a great answer for dreadnought. I think it's, um, I think if this deck thought that it could lose to dreadnought, then, you know, then it's a great an- answer. I would hope that the deck that just, you know, starts with four plows and, uh, you know, a bunch of disenchant effects, um, uh, and like wrath of God to hedge and uh, wrath of God and decree, like decree is an amazing hedge against meddling mage. Cause they can't attack with their meddling mage, um, into, into po- potential decree. So I'd hope this deck like lines up well against dreadnought. Otherwise I would be like rethinking everything. Um, and then as for the rest of it, it's just kind of like, okay, I think this deck just like beats creatures and goes over the top, maybe goes over the top of mid range decks with their incredible this advantage. This deck seems best against mid range to me. Yeah. Right. It's bad against specifically the cards of Chroma's Vengeance, Upheaval, and Pernicious Deed. Yeah. You f- just have to play around. Two of which, yeah, two of which aren't played by any deck. Right. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, just so interesting. Kind of bad against Pernicious Deed. You don't have to play into Pernicious Deed, right? Like that's a. That's a deck that can't punish you. Or the the primary deck that plays Pernicious Deed can't really punish you for slow playing. Yeah, so. you'll survive a deed too. Your uh, eight of your permanents here uh, cycle for value. The Phyrexian Furnaces, the Temporal Aperture, and the Mindstone all cycle for value in the face of a deed. And then, uh, like you said, you can always just play correctly and just force the deed to pick up one permanent at a time. Um, but like like you, as you have observed um, at some times in your career. Uh, Eternal Dragon is really good against the rock, right? It's just like, what oh my god, it, yeah. Exalted Angel. <laughs> yeah. Four Angel. It is so good against the rock. Four Angel, four, four Dragon is really good against the rock. It's good against mo- most control. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyways, it's a really sweet deck. Um, we haven't talked too much about Dead Guy Palouche. Um, uh, dead Guy Palouche? Yeah, Playable Dead Guy Ale. <laughs> playable Dead Guy Ale? Pal- so, that's I actually mean, the P stands uh, for Palouche. It's Palouche Dead Guy Ale. <laughs> Palouche said, yeah. Uh, well, I actually want to talk about what I'm calling magical Christmas land death. Yeah, sure. Uh, Red, green, oath, oath so Palouche to the, um, I don't think we should call it. Oh, first of all, I think that the existence of, of magical Christmas land death means people should stop playing with Palouche. Like I think oath <laughs> Palouche was always like super overrated and all of the value that's in oath Palouche is like magnified in magical Christmas land death. No, it the, is such a better deck the, across the, the board. The thermal karst winner's grass plan is really, really, really bad against days. Okay. Like, and you, and it's really hard you to sideboard out. Next with days. Oath Palouche. 
That's not true. Oath pollution is much is going to be much better than than red green uh, um, against against uh, dreadnought. Like you winners great against dreadnought pyroblast. Like winners winners grass thermocarst uh, not with the red sources in the sec. Winners grass thermocarst is not a like it's easier. Well, I'll just put it simply: it's easier to board out for cataclysm than it is uh, to board out eight stone rains. Like this this yeah, is you, the problem you know what, with this deck. You know what's like <clears throat> super Sasha fierce in this deck? What if I just cast a, a Sphere of Resistance, which is the best card in the matchup, and then when they go to foil it, I cast a Pyroblast? How do you feel about that? <laughs> How does that work? I mean, this is this process? is this is like um, you know the more likely thing that's going to happen is that if you cast it, you know it'll just get dazed and old, or it'll get you know annulled first, and then your Pyroblast will get dazed, like. I, I, they can also just disenchant, I, like green, <laughs> blue, white, dreadnought can just disenchant the series resistance and move on with his life. Like you have disenchant I, targets. I can't believe you're fighting me when I'm saying like uh, a pollution oath deck. I'm saying, oh, this is pretty good. And now you just want to fight me over it because this <laughs> is just the mono green deck with two pyroclasms made. But it the is core, it the is. core innovations <laughs> here. Better than the core innovations here. This is the part where I'm going to start yelling. The core innovations here are like not playing exploration, um, which like uh, I don't understand why this list contain exploration, but I'm I'm glad it finally does it. And just splashing two pyroclasms in and playing all four Sylvan libraries this is all very important changes. Um, um, but yeah, this is just mono green oath with uh, splash pyroclasm and um, like the full set of Sylvan library. Like Fran basically finally put his money where his mouth is, and he's just like, every, like green decks should play four Sylvan, but green decks should play, and he's like these oath decks, should, they all, green decks four Sylvan, four Sylvan. Just like he's like, fine, I'll play four Sylvan. Played four Sylvan, won his won his first tournament with it. I'm sure he's gone I, uh, gone up to four Sylvan in I, green white. Um, I think Fran overrates Sylvan. I kept Sylvan a fast Sylvan against elves, and that was my one loss. Yeah, but that's um, like I also, that's the one I matchup where Hills. that's the matchup where Sylvan sucks. You just bored yeah, out. Yeah, well, I played that matchup with Green White Oath Pollution, which didn't have four Sylvan. I don't remember how many Sylvan it had, but it wasn't four. And uh, really, like Null Rod was quite valuable in that matchup. And Fran cut all the Null Rods out of Red Green, so I didn't draw Pyroclasm. And you know, yeah, that whole not draw Pyroclasm problem is like a real, it's a real thing, like. Every well, deck just if you have Sylvan and a bunch of wooded foothills, you're supposed to be able to get whatever cards you need. That's what Fran says. <laughs> I got run over by elves. I mean, you're that's not how Sylvan like Sylvan works when you have a life. <laughs> if you don't have a life, then then it doesn't work. Like, uh, I think I think like, it is a don't talk to me. Deck. Don't talk to me about Sylvan Library being bad. Okay, like I I I play deep analysis anywhere where the Sylvan is. I, I would sooner splash Sylvan Library is. <laughs> Bad. Bad is not the word that I would use. I think that Fran overrates Sylvan Library. But like, would you I, would you would you play four? Good, would you play less than like four copies? Would you play less than four copies in, in Red Yes, four copies is the so four copies is too many. The second one's always was not always bad. Like they could disenchant the first one, but four copies is a lot. And he's really giving up a lot by not playing any mulches. Like I think he just super underrates mulch and super overrates Sylvan Library, right? Like. Mulch is really good. I'm down to, I mean, I'm down to play two Sylvan, two Mulch. You just end up with the same stuff. So 
I think that the best innovation in this deck is the snow covered lands. When I saw that, I was just like over the top. And I think that Thursday should probably switch to snow covered lands. You get so much value from your own thermocars for free. Just and by so much value, system. we mean two for winning yourself for one life. I mean, two for winning yourself isn't that bad in a Terravore deck. And sometimes, so when one life might mean the, the match, Mike, right? Like that. Just, I, I will, I will, um, Let's see. How do we how do we structure this prop? Proceed to my great logic. How 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 will we structure this prop bet? How long? What's the line you think on how long it will take you to thermocarst your own land and then survive the game on one life? How how many matches of magic do you think it's going to take for you to do that one time? It might never happen. <laughs> okay, but like <laughs> okay, I mean, so you so won't even give me a line <laughs> to bet on. No, no, no. So. So yeah, but, but Lanny, that's because I also rotate decks all the time. I'm not like an. I said how many matches. I didn't say how much. So how much time? So that's a that's a fair counter argument. But like you know, people <laughs> have been arguing with me for years over, over um, what's the name of the stupid uh, Arid Mesa, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, let me let me stop you there because because I agree with you that it is like 100% like what what I love about how excited you are about this is because I think you love dividing by zero like you're so excited about Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Mesa. I know infinity. I know I actually know this about you as a person which is just that you love dividing by zero you're just like oh like uh, I changed like four four cards in this deck um, I made it like you know 30% better and you're like oh well I changed four cards in this deck from your changes that made it a percentage of a percent better, but I did it for free. <laughs> like it, I didn't have to change anything that mattered. <laughs> so I made, I made a billion percent change and you only improved the win rate by 20%. It's just like, yeah, but yeah obviously burn shouldn't be playing arid mate. Like it, it took a, a, a hilarious amount of time for people. Like this is just like something that people just like, don't do like uh, playing bloodstained mire and Grixis Delver or, uh, or uh, every black fetch uh, besides Bloodstained Mire and Black Red Reanimator, or playing playing Arid Mesa and Burnt, or playing all the blue fetches besides Scalding Tarn and Murktide. Um, the, the 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 some point of all this being is just like I don't think that was the greatest innovation of the deck, Mike. I think the greatest I, innovation I of the deck was that literally won matches. Like I, I won a day two match at an SCG Con last year. Where I played a first turn Scalding Tarn and my opponent like aided himself on the first turn. I was just like, this is why you don't play effing Arid Mace. Yeah, but that's just like, right? it's like, it's not even fun to, it's not even fun to discuss, right? It's just like, yeah, it's, it's empirically correct. It's empirically correct to name Snowland. Like I don't applaud for, applaud people for, you know, for finding their onboard lethal. It's like clever. It's not like a, it's not like a <laughs> innovation. Like, but People constantly make these errors. We have to point them out so that they stop making these particular errors. Yeah, I mean, I'm but fine with right. that, I but I'm not going to I'm not going to call it the best innovation. Return is great. I'm not going to call it the best innovation of the deck. I think the best innovation of the deck is that Fran identified that Sylvan Library is the thing. I think that you overrate Mulch. Fran's core point of just like the problem with Mulch is that it only finds lands and sometimes you need spells like Sometimes your problem won't be solved by a treetop village or a wasteland. All these, all these decks that that uh, that Fran advocates just always draw mono land. Like that, I do think that the Sylvan Library helps with the always drawing but, mono land. But here's situation. the point: is like if you're but, flooded, you're just always you're, drawing mono. If land. you're flooded, casting mulch for three more lands doesn't change your position. 
Like if you have an abundance you, of this resource, then it doesn't get you. It's just like milling. If you're flooded, no, if land isn't closer, it does. It doesn't. It literally doesn't. It's they, those cards could have been on the bottom of the deck. You can just be like, I draw four four lands from the bottom of your but deck. They you weren't. might. You might keep like. It, it, when people make these ar- arguments, like they just don't understand. It literally changes future probability. It's like it's like when you it's like when you uh, do a clash. <laughs> And then you p- draw wooded foothills, and you need to draw a spell. People are like, "Oh, you should break the wooded foothills so that you could so you could draw your spell." No, I just did a clash. No, that's I know that- that's different. That's different. If you if you need to draw a spell, mulching will not get you farther or closer from a spell. Of course, it will. It changes the distribution of lands in your deck. No, it just it just. It's the same. It's the same thing. I was like drawing the. It's the same thing as drawing the first card or the fifth card. It's literally the same. Unless you plan on drawing your entire deck, and ironically, if you plan on drawing the, your entire deck, then mulch will reduce the density of spells in your deck because it will put them in the graveyard. But unless you're going to draw your entire deck, whether or not the spell you need is the top card or the fifth card is is probabilistically identical. You're getting confused with the, the concept that mulch involves any manipulation. There's no manipulation in mulch, except... If you control a Sylvan library, which is like the one place where mulch is quite good, which is clearing the top of your Sylvan library, which means you should probably run four Sylvan and then start adding mulches like a three to one Sylvan mulch ratio. uh, I might overrate mulch. I am sure Fran underrates mulch. I think I'm saying I am sure he underrates mulch. I might. Mike, I'll let you I'll let you in on on a little bit of of uh, inside info on the the mulch versus not mulch squad. So mulch is a superb card. In fact, it's the corner corner piece of Landy Hoth and Rich Shays Landy Hoth Landy Hoth parentheses Rich Shays version that he independently came up with, but used a lot of the same cards. Um, it, it uh, it's a cornerstone card. Yeah. Um, but, it, but Rich uh, often gets asked, he's like, hey, uh, what's the deal with the mulch in this deck? Um, and he's just like, well, the only thing about mulch in this deck is that it's not very good if I don't control a Sylvan Library or a Scroll Rack. So I only play three. Um, and what people have found jamming um, uh, mulch into these Oath Terravore decks is exactly the same thing. It's just that they cast mulch and their deck continues to do the thing that their deck would have done if it just kept drawing cards. Like well, the, the increasing value. So Wasteland's pretty good. Like, don't get me wrong. Two Wastelands is much better than one Wasteland. But the increasing value of just kind of having like an, an, a random, like a on average, slightly higher mix of random lands in your hand is not really worth two mana to this deck. And like, that's kind of the point that I make about mulch is just like, like in a game of magic, you need like, abundant harvest or abundance is a good card, right? Because you get to choose based on what you need, right? Like lands or spells like portent is a good card because you get to choose what you need. You're like, do I need any of these three? It's like, no shuffle. Try again. Like mulch never lets you get to choose non land. And because of that, in a situation where you need to leverage the cards, like the finite cards in your hand, the finite mana you have on a given turn to get something. The fact that this card only gets lands uh, is, is like pretty narrow. Like it's just, it's just too narrow. So, two things. One, uh, I feel like if you want to talk about Landy Hoth, Rich's version, um, you have to just concede like a basic point, which is that Landy Hoth, Rich's version is a sit there do nothing deck, and Magical Christmas Land Death is a do lots of things, tap all my mana every turn deck. Like 
they're not the same animal, even though they have many right, parts. Right, which is to say that mulch, right, so, mulch belong is a better fit for for um, you know uh, Landyhoth than it is in in uh, Red Green. But like, I think that if you're going to play them heads up, which is a good way of isolating the variables in the in the individual card choices, mulch would be an overperformer in the heads up matchup. It's really good, right? Like the ability to get. So one of the things Rich said to me is the reason that he was sold on mulch was when he started play testing with it. The fact that he was constantly basically drawing three spells, even though they were they're nominally lands, right? But like in particular matchups, like drawing like a core haven and a wasteland and a Rishadon, or no, maybe not Rishadon, core, like core haven and a wasteland and a dust bowl or something. Your opponent's just back is broken by the mulch already. He knows that it's going to take like six turns for these cards to beat him. But they're like all really right, which is exactly the, the point. The which is actually exactly the point is that the deck creates more space for you to capitalize on mulch value. Like the very presence of Dust Bowl makes a huge difference, right? Dust Bowl isn't present in the Red Green Oath deck. Like it's like Dust Bowl means that every mulch uh, draws mono stone rains, right? So uh, basically, um, this is corroborated by a lot of testing from the. Uh, uh Oath crew. There's like you know half a dozen people who just like play this deck all the time. They've all tried mulch. They all hate it. Like I'm, I, I think it's amazing alongside scroll rack. And if you run four Sylvan, the first one or two mulches starts to look a lot better. Um, uh, in fact, uh, I'm kind of sold on that from a it makes Sylvan better standpoint. Uh, but the problem is the deck is uh too tight for space at this point. All right. So you asked me a question about the bottle gnomes tournament. Uh, I'm going to belay that for a second. Ask you lobster con. Let's say we're at lobster con seven plus rounds of Swiss. Probably we're going to go on. Would you play a deck like oath pollution or magical Christmas land death in a seven round open tournament? Um, I would play you personally. I, I would play green white. I wouldn't play the red green deck. No, no, you would actually, you would actively play oath pollution in a tournament like that. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. Like, there's just too many holes for a seven round tournament. Seven rounds plus. Well, the 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 what matters is getting out of the first three rounds. Afterwards, you're actually in really good shape because you're just gonna play. You're gonna play like so. Every pre modern deck needs to be able to be de- defeat nonsense, right? And I just think that Cataclysm is a better tool for defeating nonsense than any any yeah, other. But like you have like card. a really low likelihood of beating any of the Hermit decks and beating. And beating like fluctuator. I, like, I mean, I never I beat them. the I beat the hermit decks, and the fluctuator deck is uh, failure to launch uh, these days. The fluctuator beat, deck is I, slowed I down substantially by sphere resistance because it has to cast you know two spells and you know and and a lotus I, petal. I beat uh, well, not so a lotus petal in the specific version, but all their lands are non basic. And <laughs> I mean, okay, put it this way: by the time lobster con comes around, people will be playing the card Sabo's Web. And that card is really good against both fluctuator and all plush variants. So <laughs> Blood it's Moon a is color- also a monster against it, that. No, it's Sabo's web is colorless. Like that deck can Anyone just go can. in any sideboard. So so if you're if you're feeling can't a little down plush sideboard. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Can't. So the thing is, I'm just like, oh man, we could play this in Thursday's deck, but Thursday's deck already murders the plush variants. Yeah, it should. <laughs> I mean, the deck is like designed um, yeah. to designed to like 
you know, the this is why I don't like the red green deck. It's just like its core thing. This is the pawn. This is the downfall of Ponza, right? It's just like, what if my opponent just continues to draw lands? Then what do I do? <laughs> like attack him for two? What if my opponent plays mulch? I mean, sure. That's also in the fail case of like the best fail case of Stone Red. Thursday it's the best against Red Stone Rain, but it's not the best for the Stone Rain deck, right? So, I'm just like mulch is a disaster for you if your opponent just has it and they're 75. Yeah, well, lucky, um, lucky for you, uh, there is there is but one deck basically that plays it, and I don't think any other other decks it, it's it's found a home. You know, I mean, I'm right now in the dark. I'd play a burn. I'd play a, 1212 variant at lobster con i play burn but i i actually burn's probably great you asked me if i if i would you asked me if i would i wouldn't give much equity to i wouldn't give much share in my um in my deck pick to uh green white but that's also just because i'm not a very good green uh green white oath player like i make several mistakes playing the deck even though you basically are confronted with like you know maybe up to eight decisions in the game (laughs) But I make them all wrong. It's like eight key in a decisions. Turn game, you it's made like, eight decisions. It's like eight decisions, like eight decisions. But you don't know that they're happening when they're happening. You're just like, oh, let's do this, and then three turns, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that three turns ago. Like, and now that you've, yeah, I think I could win LobsterCon with Burn. Yeah, I think that that's a thing I can do. But um, I think you can top eight LobsterCon with Burn and then lose in the round of eight. Uh, well, my thought to probably Dave is, Kaplan is that Fran said like a mistake that I make is trying to win all the matchups, right? Just like, I'm always constantly like trying to figure out how I can win all the matchups. Yeah. The, the frequency like, with which you bring out what about devourer kind of betrays that <laughs> because it's just like, when's the last time you played against devourer? The last time somebody activated, the last time somebody activated alter of dementia against me was in the PSS six months ago. Like, so, and it didn't go well for them um, with me doing nothing to respect it. No guy's yeah. blessing, no nothing. <laughs> I just had 40 cards in my deck. <laughs> like, So, um, but the, my counter argument is, he, he's like, no deck wins all the matchups. My counter argument is like, Blue White Oath Palouche, there's a really good impression of being able to win all the matchups. Blue White, so Blue White Dreadnought Palouche, yeah. 12-12 Palouche. Yeah. <clears throat> Did I say Blue White Oath You said Blue White Oath Palouche, yeah. Yeah, like, Blue, Blue White Fran Pollution Janot or whatever you want blue, to call blue it. White the so Rock. Really good impression. Uh, blue White the Rock can actually beat every matchup. So, except for Rifter, but luckily nobody plays that. Can Blue White the Rock beat Burn? Blue White the Rock can beat Burn if Burn doesn't know how to play, which is like most Burn pilots. So, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. So. Don't send your hate mail this way. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> so you're all uh, very smart and handsome, Burn pilots. <laughs> Watching like this match is like Itai against Pog, and like Pog is like a circle in play and like a million lands and all the mids is like seven cards in hand, and I'm just like I'm like, how's this game gonna go? I'm like, what life is Pog on? And Itai's like one. Like, <laughs> He's just, I just like it's a one barbarian ring away. Food. Yeah, <laughs> played in this food. It's like his hand was like mono spells <laughs> he took like six turns to win the game and i'm just like this is this is great <laughs> yeah and pong's like how do you ever win this matchup i'm like i don't know i've mm-hmm. always won it from that side but i've also always won it from this side um people are so bad at winning with circle and play 
That's the one thing I'll say. Yeah, I agree. You have circle and play and don't win over and over and over again. I would say um, if Lobster Con, for Lobster Con, I still think, yeah, I don't know. Trinon is just like, it's just kind of too easy. That's like the problem is like, I want my life to be like a little harder than just like winning most matches without trying. That's kind of my fatal flaw. You have to figure flaw. out how to beat the other Dreadnought players in the top eight. You don't have to try to beat the other Dreadnought players. You also might just run into uh, a blue-white uh, tempo. Like You'll just run into the, the blue-white meddling mage deck with Savannah Alliance, and then you'll lose. That's the like the super that awkward just... thing, is that deck is like really popular. Like It's very overrepresented, in my opinion, but I guess maybe the overrepresentation is because they keep on top eighting events, and I'm just like, well, that shouldn't yeah, be happening. I wouldn't play blue white. I was uh, if it were lobster gone tomorrow. I keep saying that. Can we make people forget that blue black exists? Because that's my lobster con deck, which I decided like I long balled this. Can that blue white like Savannah line sec possibly beat blue blue black? I mean, probably. Like the blue blue black still needs to posture. Is like the 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 thing about the blue white uh, tempo deck is that it takes away. Um, it takes away all the gears from the Dreadnought deck. It's like, okay, well, let's try to combo them. It's like, well, we have a meddling mage in like up to this enough for enough removal coverage. It's like, okay, well, let's try to play this uh, suppression control game. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, um, our, our deck has like really good threat density. Um, and the threats are just like very, very mana efficient. Um, and is generally good at trading card for card. Now, gen- granted Dreadnought can win a lot of games where they draw and cast a lot of gush, but short of that, um, card for card, the blue white deck is just like good at trading because it's just like weenies. It's just kind of like, well, each two, two is a game ending threat, right? So you have to answer them all. And dreadnought really only has four sorts of plowshares, um, you know, and meddling mages to block like meddling mage naming meddling mage is probably your best play. Um, so blue black, uh, is going to be better because it has a, a better blocker in the form of psych dog, but you kind of need to have four psych dogs. And there's also a three mana spell. Which makes you less efficient and then you're like you don't have an inevitability because you're you're always on a clock right there's going to be some two, I mean, two power guy how are they going to beat me in cyborg games where i use engineered plague to manage the battlefield and then i just upheaval tog them they might be like, they might be um di- full of foils. they might be diverse enough into engineered plague and they're already packing um maximum disenchant versus you so you're just like giving them stuff to do if they're disenchant flooded yeah but i but that that's how i i actually i literally think that i need to write an article someday about how to play engineered plague people play it bad all the time yeah but like, quote unquote but if we're players. going to level our if we're going to level ourselves that we're like always getting engineered plague value then our opponent is also going to uh, hypothetically play in a way such that they always get engineered. They always yeah, play against they, your engineered plague well, right? So it's yeah, like, I just wouldn't commit if, to humans to if the they're battlefield. The beat down, if they're the beatdown and they're just giving you time, the objective of engineered plague in the context of, of a combo control deck is not to is not to lock down the opponent's ability to win the game, but rather to buy time to execute your combo. I mean, like, engin- so if they're giving you uh, time, never mind. Silver Knight is actually you get, a you get the time either way. No, actually, these are all humans. Yeah, could be good. Yeah, Silver Knight. Like Silver Knight being just, a human is super bad for Silver Knight in this in this deck. I mean, this just seems to me like I would just cakewalk through this matchup where my opponent thought that all their stuff was good. I don't like, know if you like. It, maybe they win game oh, yeah. one. I, I honest, I we should probably just test it. But like, I'm pretty sure like. Uh, like Savannah Lions is just like embarrassing good. Like Savannah Lions and Jackal Pup are both embarrassingly good versus Dreadnought. You only have four plows. Like that's just the rule. You only have four so plows. The, 
Are you going to run four engineered that. plague and try to stack up double engineered plague on human? Because you're only going to catch yeah. a mother of runes um, on one toughness against this deck. Because the rest of them so have the two. Is, their their ability to generate card advantage is relatively. It's I don't know. So some of them have factor fiction and standstill, right? Uh, yeah. Depending on the list. Yeah, some of them. Some of them are more white. Some of them are some white blue, and they just trade trade so, for stuff. But you can you can just engineer the game in a way that none of their interactive cards have text, right? So, like, if they're going to slow play you, and they're like, okay, I'm going to play a counter sliver game, you just play on a completely different vector from them. Just wait until turn seven, right? And then cast your first duress, right? Everything else you did was just creature removal. Cast your first duress, see if the coast is clear, and you won the game already. Like, the, the and, like, they could they could do nothing to stop you from getting to this endgame situation, except put the accelerator down on gear one. But if they do that, they just waltz into your, into your, your planning. Well, no, you, you would have to, I mean, well, I think we just have to test this. I still really like the white weenie decks against every dreadnought variant, like even blue red with grim lava mancer and all. Um, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that guy was still on the, still on the table. I was going to take my blue red apart to, to make my psycho knot deck. Well, if it's all white weenie, blue red with pyroclasm is probably going to be better than anything. Oh my god, I love Grim Lava Mancer so much. Do you know anyone who loves Grim Lava Mancer more than I do? Mm, I don't know. I don't. Probably not. I love him. I I, I actually like Grim Lava Mancer. Uh, Fernando plays one Grim Lava Mancer in Grotog, which I think is really cool. Until you realize you yeah, need one of your red sources to be like around forever. <laughs> Um, and tapping every turn and one of the red sources Wait. that tap every turn for you deals one damage to you. Yeah, I was going to say like two to them, one to me every single time. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like or all of a sudden this uh, Grim Lava Man is looking like an Orcish Artillery. <laughs> it's just doing its impression. Probably. I don't know. Orcish Artillery is two to the three to me. <laughs> um, what, um, what do we have to say about uh, PDGA? Is it is it a good deck? It's a I mean, it's a, a you can't play that deck in a long term. You can play it in a meetup, right? You're gonna play like you know sub five rounds. I think that it's it's fine. You can't every single turn like Fran was playing in that video. Deep. Every turn Fran was playing that video. He's like, well, if my opponent plays Armageddon here, <laughs> I'm not in good yeah, shape. Like, so <laughs> if my opponent just, plays Gush Armageddon here, I'm in really bad shape. So like, the thing that's weird to me is like Fran and Tom think it's quote the best control deck. It's not any kind of a control deck. It's just the rock, right? Like it it's it it plays the control role contextually, right? In a lot of matchups where the opponent just defaults. Yeah, but this is deck. this is just like a this is like an old man Mike you know thing where where you you where the line in your head is just like very specific and very like hard for you to convey to other people. It's just like, I, it I agree with, I agree with you. Any kind of a threat. Look, Mike, that doesn't have power and toughness. Mike, to be clear, to be clear, I, I don't understand control, so we're not going to get far in this argument, <laughs> but, okay. but like my understanding of car. control is that, is that they're all the rock and I'm not interested. <laughs> like, so no, like it's just like how hard is your the rock are you like soft rock or are you like you know heavy metal like the, some some decks are heavier rocks than others but they're all the rock all right so this is a so I, just let me just ask you a simple question Lanny. imagine a card that might beat you right it's a card that might beat you 
in different time periods, people like Zvi Mashowitz have talked about this in the context of the fundamental turn, where like Wrath of God beat you, right? It didn't deal 20 damage, but you lost to Wrath of God. Yeah, you know that I conceptualize losing and winning on this, yeah. Yeah, so Patrick Chapin talks about a thing called semi-soft locks, which is different than threats. They're like threats that have a little bit more oomph, right? And But they're not necessarily the thing that did 20 damage to you, but they might be, right? Imagine any card like that that doesn't beat you by attacking, right? It could still be a creature, right? But it doesn't beat you by attacking. My problem like with defining play- <laughs> playable dead guy ale as a control deck is it has nothing to say about any of those cards. Like, that's most of the ways you might lose. <laughs> I mean... So somebody had a I, thing that might beat you, but it didn't beat you by attacking. I you know, a lot like, of Look, I, I understand where you're getting at here, but, like, dude, just control decks are decks that, that have removal, and then that's just what a control <laughs> deck is. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah, this is a, this is a removal deck. Like, it's do you, a little disruptive. Do you, do you have... It's like, do you play four swords of plowshares? Like, oh, you could be any deck. It's like, do you have four swords of plowshares and some number of disenchant vindicate vendetta pernicious deed I mean, wall of roots like loosely yeah some I yeah played eradicate right? yeah like right like um, you got wrath of god like come on the day has wrath of god it's just a control deck like, just, what deck plays wrath of god it's a, it's only control decks deck. it's got tons of removal yeah, but that really control decks are removal decks other than I, playing i know creatures. i know what you're saying I, I understand like control you you actually have to control this control. I, I i guess i don't understand because i still don't understand control but it's it's a deck with removal <laughs> i think you understand control you just don't know how to maybe you don't it's really hard for me to tell it's it's so hard for me to tell because you're so smart at magic <laughs> but you don't understand how is that possible you're so smart like when you talk about like which kind of cards generate leverage and why i'm like oh my god i wish i wrote that down that was so good like that's that's the thing that's in my head but you're just like i can't really tell if i should have smothered that or swords like maybe i should let it in maybe i should let it hit me so that i could wrath later i just don't know my hand is a smother or swords I guess I lose. <laughs> <laughs> Very accurate description. It's, I mean, it, it just happens to me. It just happens. I'm just like, well, I'm going to play another deck. That was like Fran's deck. Like Fran's deck had me answer one difficult question and I just like failed the answer so hard. I just like never wanted to play it again. <laughs> I was like, why? How do you solve this problem? I don't know. <laughs> my, my favorite thing that happened while you were gone in Australia was Fran just being like, so the Landstill versus Oath Pollution matchup. Yeah, I guess yeah, I yeah. was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can never lose that matchup from the blue-white side if you know what's going on. Like, I, I beat Roman because he had never played the format before. Not That's because, what it takes. Not That's for what any it takes. Other reason. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's so interesting. Like, the I wish, I wish some of, there was like time for these things to be like worked out and sharpened. But realistically, all that's happened is that. Fran has just added more variance to the mix of like what you can expect at a so like I guess I've done this soapbox before so there's no point in 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 doing it again but the point is you show up to a tournament somebody's playing a Fran 75 and you're just like uh, come on like you know I've never seen you I've never met you before you know how do you know about this deck it's like oh I saw a YouTube video I'm just like that's great it's like the guy the guy playing Oath Bluesh at the, that top aided with Oath Bluesh that's asking me if I'm going to trigger oath, right? You know, just like clearly 
you know, hasn't seen some of these, the format dynamics, just like just playing Oath Pollution 75. It's like 75, 475, like a Fran list. So Fran just keeps on making these videos, putting these, these deck lists out there. And then, you know, you sleeve up for a tournament and you're like, oh, somebody's going to be playing a Fran deck. But now a Fran deck, a Fran, it used to be a Fran deck was just like blue, white, dreadnought or, uh, out enlightened tutor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, blue, white, dreadnought with one copy of enlightened tutor. Cause they just didn't see the newer videos. Um, you know, but now it's just like, oh, a frame deck can be black, white, it can be red, green, it can be green, white, it can be blue, white, it can be blue, white, you know, some somebody might roll up and they're just like, oh, I, lo- I really love the one video with the the parallax tides, like the blue, white parallax tides deck. And just I was going like, to play that deck. Yeah. Like the parallax Sweet. weenie deck. Um, I freaking I hate it. Like um, I played replenish I you, against. I think you lost in that matchup. That's why I thought about playing. It. Oh, yeah, because I lost oh, from Grotog I mean, versus solution. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Grotog's really bad against Exalted Angel, Plowshares, Parallax Wave. Um, unless you, I mean, maybe Armageddon's getting against that day. May, might, might not be, might be. Anyways, um, what's so annoying is that when you're playing against like a deck with blue, white lands and like creatures, you don't know if they have Savannah Lands, you don't know have them if they have Mana Leak. They all have Meddling Mage, right? Every single deck has Meddling Mage and probably um, Exalted Angel, and they tend to have lots of Mother of Runes, and they always have four sorts of Plowshares. But after that, if you're playing Replenish, you're like, I don't know if I should be like hanging back and building up my mana because I need to beat a Mana Leak. Um, but then they'll just be like, oh, like I, I actually play Wasteland in my version. So they'll like Wasteland you, and you'll be like, man, I needed to go last turn instead of... Anyways, uh, it's starting to make my, my head spin. Um, but it's a good thing for the format, right? You just sit it down for your opponent. They play a land. You just you still have no idea what they're up to. You know, they might even be a burn deck with Scalding Tarn. Well, they wouldn't specifically have Scalding Tarn, I think. All right, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple questions that we went over while you were gone with different different co-hosts. I, I just wonder what you thought about. You have to catch me up on Aaron's. I, mean, I still of- haven't listened to Aaron, so. I, I mean, I said it to you like a week ago. So. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been traveling. Can't just like sit down and listen so, to podcasts. So, uh, what do you think are the three best creatures in pre-modern? Uh, I mean, I I listened to this debate. Um, oh, okay. I think you make a fair case for Mog Fantastic. Um, uh, but the three best creatures in pre-modern are still the same three creatures. They are uh, Meddling Mage, uh, Goblin Lackey, and one of the creatures that matter from mid-range decks, be it Terravor, Exalted Angel, uh, you know, I, I would put Wall of Blossoms in there if it wasn't in such a bad deck. M- Mistress, can, Mistress can, Factory is probably, or Treetop Village is actually the, the is probably number three if we're being realistic. Um, how can you rate any of those cards against Dreadnought? I think Dreadnought's the best card. In yeah, sure, Phyrexian Dreadnought. So so it's Goblin Lackey, Meddling Mage, and Phyrexian Dreadnought, followed by Treetop Village, um, Terravor, and, you know, Mog Fanatic gets to, you know, have some I, I, I have Mog Fanatic ahead of Lackey, but that's probably wrong. The that's just that's because you play Burn. That, like, uh, no, it's I actually the reason I, I didn't have Mog Fanatic that high. I actually have it that high because I watched Mashlegs be yeah, yeah, yeah. caffeinated. I, I heard the I, he, I hear the defense. Amazing. Yeah, but the, the problem with this story is that this is like a cool thing that happened one time on camera. Meanwhile, um, people have just been uh, annihilated by Goblin Lackey quietly every <laughs> single day. Every single day that pre-modern is played, somebody is just getting their face bashed in by triple Black Lotus on a 1-1. It's just like, it's just like, yeah, 
One damage is really He's cool. Really. Good. What about one damage plus in as many black lotuses as I can as I want? Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's like good. he's good. Like <laughs> he might be better than Mog. Fanatic. I like I like the Mog fanatic debate, but like uh, yeah. but it's just like all the people who are like deranged hermit, exalted angel. I'm like those are good creatures. Yeah. Have you read meddling mage? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen how many victories Phyrexian dreadnought has yeah, lined yeah. up? Like yeah, as far as uh, like match it like let's talk w- wins uh, wins above uh, above replacement for for mage for mage uh, lackey and and dreadnought. It's just like the they, I mean they're they're a, a order of magnitude. They're like you know plus eighty five percent you know when drawn and cast compared to like the next best creature. Um, yeah, so. so I guess like if you're thinking like top five cards in pre modern, it's probably like gush oath. Dreadnought, Lackey, and and even meddling mage. The top think? five cards on on like just oh, cards is, is Swords of Plowshares at number one by like an enormous margin because without plow, there's just simply isn't like half of the format. Like just a bunch of decks don't exist. A bunch of decks that don't exist because of plow exist all of a sudden. And like just like everything, you know, nothing's the same, right? And, so and without it, good luck containing. Dreadnought, Goblin yeah. Lackey and, and Dreadnought. Dreadnought. Yeah, and and you <laughs> Sorry, know, and what does Meddling Mage do? It just stops sword supply shares. This is number one yeah. job. Like, like uh Piculo runs out onto the battlefield and he like, you know, he's got a stack of cue cards and the top one says sorts of plowshares. And then, you know, the whenever he runs out into a basic mountain, he like flips through his cue cards. He's like, crap, crap, crap. I, I guess shock. <laughs> like, like it's shock. <laughs> um uh, but regardless, it's just like, yes, yeah, so the sorts of plowshares is number one, uh, you know, or through survival, the fittest, uh, you know, obviously, oh, good. obviously yeah, are Dreadnought super insane. I think, I think gush is super good. Really good. Yeah. Obviously dreadnought is, is good. Hermit is good. The entire legacy band list is, is basically on there. Right. So gush, um, drain or not drain Hermit, but hermit Druid. um, so you think you know, it's swords survival of the fittest and, and oath and then yeah swords like it's but it's, it's just like we don't have a format like we're, we're not playing the same format without swords of plowshares um i i, I agree swords of plowshares and then the field makes sense because the thing is swords other- of plowshares is a black lotus like the effect of every time you cast swords of plowshares you are getting like four mana value like you know this is like the same thing uh its nearest neighbor doesn't exist um but like its nearest neighbor is like stuff like, like mother yeah it's like smother vendetta innocent blood diabolic edict lightning bolt like all of these are so inadequate um that like you need to run up shit about light yeah well okay fine right you, you have to run up the ladder to to even come close to getting the value of flexibility of the swords to the point that you're like it's like vindicate isn't even a, a compromise doesn't exile it's a sorcery it's just like there literally isn't another card and if you were to print the card again you know it would cost like ww1 or www i mean ww1 is council's judgment that card is also it's a sorcery yeah that card's a sorcery it was played in legacy nobody plays it anymore of course because now you have um children's leader or whatever like ironically enough we finally got there with stupid leyline binding and um to a lesser extent um prismatic ending uh just because it could hit non-creatures but like uh yeah sorts of plowshares in in the pre-modern format is just simply irreplaceable like you just don't have a landstill deck about sorts of plowshares you don't have parfait it like this discussion is so dumb because Swords of Plowshares is just like so much better than everything, every other card. Yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. Counterspell I mean, is like, kind of kind of almost in there, but it, you know it costs UU, so it would be Force of Will, right? If Force of Will was legal in the format, it would be like Plow and Force of Will. 
and brainstorm was legal in the format, but it would just be legacy. Right. But that's why the legacy ban lists are the best cards in pre-modern. So, um, so this Thursday, do I play Thursday's deck or do I play Doomsday? I, I'm like really hyped to play Doomsday. Oh, you play Doomsday. Thursday's deck is going to make you hate yourself because it, it also has 32 mana sources and, you know, its only card advantage yeah, is, it's a, is a card that draws more mana sources. <laughs> like you hate, yeah, but you hate playing. I love Eternal Dragon. You hate playing a I deck that has 32 mana sources, but you love a deck that has I 28 lands and four Eternal Dragon. <laughs> I hate you're like oh I hate flooding out but what I love doing is flooding out for for seven mana a turn just like what if I told you instead of just drawing lands off the top of your deck you could play seven mana a turn so that you could draw lands off the top of your deck Fran's argument is like okay I get it you have like 30 odd mana and no agency but you always do stuff with your land but like porting someone is literally a one for two I used my land and my port to counter your land for one turn. I agree. Mox like, Diamond. That's a shitty exchange. Mox Diamond right? port. Like, Mox Diamond is a shitty exchange. Yeah. And Wastelands, Wastelands bad too. It's just a one for one, right? It's, it's so funny. Yeah, you, so, did you see the when Phil posted the like uh select all that is that our tempo and that just yeah, blew up the interview? Space. Just like exploded the internet. Yeah. And I, I loved I love the people seasonal memes. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the best. Um never gonna do better. Shout out to Phil Wynn. Who's the beatdown? Um yeah, that's the who's the beatdown of memes. Um and and um I, I love I I like the particular nuance where somebody uh you know posted and just like, hey, by the way, wasteland is in tempo. Like it's just not tempo. <laughs> Like <laughs> I, I traded my one land for your one land. Like that's not tempo. Um, but it's actually true, right? I like mean, if, kind of if is, your deck, if you need to get to six mana and you kept them at five, and yeah, yeah. obviously context, obviously context, context matters, but you know, no, it's a good point. It's just like when, when Fran points to his lands, um, and just being like, well, my mana sources do work more work for you. It's like, they do marginally more work for you. Right? Like, my Grotog deck does not play very many lands, but the non-lances plays are insane. In fact, some of the non-lands yeah, might be Ray of Revelation. Yeah, because you're dividing by zero a bunch. Exactly, yeah. Like, you have a ton <laughs> of divide by zero. Like, Fran is literally, he he's like, I have a one for two, another one for two, and a one for one. I add all those things together, and you had kind of a shitty turn, yeah. right? Like, that's... <laughs> Well, he's got cat. I mean, cataclysm being the gigantic hammer is, is, is really good. Like it, it does, it is the missing piece. And that's why I like, I like the green white deck so much more than I like the stone rain variants, because I just don't like the incrementalism of stone range. Like cataclysm just, is just like, boom, kapow. Like this is the thing. And like, you know, I might've been winning by a little up until this point, but now I'm winning by a lot. Um, and like the whole, like the whole deck, in a sense is like in service to cataclysm, right? Cause the, the deck does sort of do the same thing that most oath decks do, which is nothing. Um, and then it's just like all the oath decks are just like doing nothing until they do something. Right. And so this one is like kind of like a half measure where it's like, instead of moding, moding, wrathing with Phoenix chosen until you like cast Zer's weirding and words of worship, et cetera, et cetera. Like instead of, yeah. instead of doing that, it's just kind of like, well, version. I'm not, my, my oath is no longer a moat wrath split card, but then I get some points back in, um, in, uh, the form of, uh, casting my terror against control decks. Uh, and then I'm shoring that up with a card like cataclysm. Um, but I think that's just a very elegant thing where it's just like, like I said, the, the deck, the cards in the deck work together. It doesn't function without having way too many mana sources. Um, 
And eventually that just becomes this downfall where it's just like the cart, like it's draw step. The green, white oath plush has like the least powerful draw step of all time, right? You have, you have four aces in the form of cataclysm and then the rest of your deck is just like complete air. And so the way that it combats this is by playing as much Sylvan library as possible to like, like to, to no, turn it, through the air. It combats it by constricting the length of the game, right? Like you could, you, you don't get bitten in the butt by having 30 plus mana sources if you just win the game. Yeah. True. So one or two attacks from a Terravore does that. The problem with the deck is there are matchups where Oath isn't good and the opponent can't answer Terravore. If those two things are both true, you just lose to having too much land. Well, that's, right? but that's, and I think like, the, that's much but, more narrow. No I find, but I find that to be much more narrow of an outcome than you do. I just like, I, I simply yeah, like, I, in my experience I, and in I thinking win about tournaments instead of go three, two, yeah, I mean, right? like that's, the, I think, I think it, the deck is just as likely to win a tournament as the next good decks. That's why I have it, you know, so in tier one. I, uh, I think you have to have it in at least close to, I don't think it's tier one cause they're too expensive, but I think it's close to tier one, uh, when you control for the expense of the deck, but like I won, it's just diamonds. Yeah. Eight. It's less expensive than elves. It's, it's, Are you going to take elves out of a, tier one because elves cost the most money? Well, elves is a lot better than Oath Belush on, <laughs> on the objective measures. I mean, elves has a more I mean, powerful opening seven than Oath Belush, but um, elves also has a horrible draw step. I mean, but elves solves that problem by annihilating the opponent in a single swap. Yeah. Concept is, I think this concept of, of, uh, of decks is maybe too large for two hours into the episode. But, um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we know where you stand. I think, I think it's like uh, the, the, the main thing that's, uh, I'm emboldened by is, is sort of a results oriented. It's like, you know, there's people out there who just pick up the oath blue deck from Fran's videos and they just like go and they just, they just top their local thing. Um, yeah, they crush, and they don't they don't change any cards in the deck. They use an old version, and they just like go and they're 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 in the top eight, and it's like sweet. And like the only decks that really do that are blue white dreadnought, guaranteed second place if it's your first time playing in your first tournament, pre modern tournament, um, and goblins. Um, if you are uh, what, what was his name at the Mythic Vault, um, the grinder who won the Madison event, or it's in Milwaukee, or I don't know, it is Milwaukee, MKE Milwaukee, the. The one that BK went to, what was his name? Oh, Adam Jansen. Adam Jansen. Yeah, right. So you can first time and you can gobble. I thought you meant mash legs. I'm like, is he won the previous one? No, no. Yeah. I mean, mash legs is a good example. So gobble, but that obviously wasn't his first pre-modern tournament, but it, it was his first gobbos. So yeah, my, my favorite thing about mm -hmm. mash legs is he's like trying all these brews and he's just like, fuck it. We fuck it. We yeah, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that like Oath Plush gets to join the ranks of like decks that even though I find it like hard to play, maybe it's just because it's not the kind of magic that I like to play. But, um, you know, it's just like one of those I decks. I liked prison decks. I thought that was the thing you liked. Oh, Parfait is a combo deck. It's like not a prison. Like it's a prison deck insofar as it contains Oath, Oath of Druids. It's just like, Oath well, I guess. Oh, yeah. So that was like the thing It's just like. People are like, oh, like land tax is a prison card. The card doesn't contain the text. You, your opponent cannot play lands. It's just that if your opponent is not paying close enough attention to when they play lands, they'll probably just lose the game. Um, and like that, that was like too hard for it's like land tax is not a more oppressive, like prisony card is on the feel bad um, 
you know, on the feel bad axis so much as, as sphere resistance, um, you know, or stone rain or Armageddon. Like, you know, yeah, I get it. You want to play lands. You want, you play magic so you can play lands like boo hoo. Just like, I want to play lands too. I'm drawing three. <laughs> so deal. Okay. Lanny, <laughs> you can't compare. You, okay, you can compare land tax with the cards you compare them to. Clearly you can't compare it. And imagine you will be taken seriously. <laughs> Stone rain and land tax are not <laughs> of the same genus, right? Like, yeah, one of them is like draw nine cards. One of them is three mana set you behind, maybe. Yeah, like that. <laughs> not well, it was just like so ironic because people were just like, "Oh, land tax is so unfun. I don't get to play my Stone Rain deck anymore." It's like, "Oh, I see you too are very interested in having fun. Like, I'm taking away your fun because I'm making it so that you can't Stone Rain noobs out of the out of the format." What happened after Parfait was banned? The the format's mono sphere resistant Stone mono Rain Oath combo X. deck with Oath. It's like you I think you were. It. It's like you were just like, "Oh, my prison doesn't have a fat dude with a bag." of cash is the warden instead it has a freaking terror war monster that i can't get past so anyway <laughs> are we up to four separate different oath decks since the banning of the i mean you can just yeah you could just like yeah you could just play oath in any deck it's just like the problem was oath like oath isn't fun to play against like oath makes don't it possible talk about oath so, so there's some things we shouldn't do i don't need martin berlin to ban dreadnought i just don't need that to happen like i don't usually play dreadnought but i don't want him to ban it i think it's like a powerful feature of the format that i'm glad is there even yeah. if i lose to it i mean for I what it's worth ban oath of druids for for what it's worth um i was like playing against roman and uh, i was playing the natural order elves deck and he was playing laney rock um and i was just like uh okay i'll natural order i'll get a verdant force and he was just like when does this format start being fun <laughs> I was like, I'm having lots of fun right now, Roman. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, of course, you played like a 17 hour landstill versus, you know, whatever. Uh, landstill I had versus to engineer a spot where I could get him because that matchup's impossible. Yeah. And the, the same thing. It's just like uh, he's just like, yeah, I don't I don't really see the charm. So for what it's worth um, on the unfun well, scale, it's very subjective. To be fair, I said this is the first deck you should play. I fell in love with the format through this deck. He played like one or two games with pre-modern burn. He said, this is just the same experience as playing modern burn. Yeah. Give me something that pre-modern is about. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so that, that was where we started. If he had, if he had just embraced the burn, he might've had a different idea, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, bet if he was on burn instead of Lanny rock against the natural order else, he would have had a very different experience. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, but, uh, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't I don't like I I only like Grow Talk, right? It's like I only like Grow Talk. I love Parfait. I think Replenish is pretty cool, but I hate it when I lose with the Replenish. I like went 3-3 with my last battle replenish. You saw like a screenshot of of binary soloist roasting me out of the game, fire blasting oh, me I didn't out. I see a screenshot. He he made a video just for me. Oh, he made he sent you a so love letter. Like, oh yeah, I watched it. He yeah. sent you a videogram. He's like um he's like uh, you'll he's like you'll appreciate this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it had you conceding in a spot where it looked like it, you could win. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean, hand, he doesn't know your hand. My hand was probably all lands. Um, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't like Parfait because it was a prison deck. I like Parfait because I won matches of Magic with it. That's kind of all that matters well, at so, the end of the day. It's like I didn't like, switch from Parfait to playing, you know, Green-White Prison or Enchantress or whatever because those decks don't win matches of Magic. It's like I, I just... Land, I just like, Lanny Replenish is a really good example of the thing I was talking about where you have like a thousand mana sources. Like you added land and added moxes, right? So yeah. you have this really bad possibility of drawing too many lands. But the But the counter argument is if you just get your lands you're like four drop four drop your opponent loses the game yeah like they 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 don't know that they've lost the game necessarily but they pretty much aren't gonna win and it might be yeah i mean oath pollution essentially makes the same point which is just that like um if you know it's a pretty common the most simple explanation of tempo is just whoever spent the most mana wins right so if you just but, in, uh, analyze the game on who spent the most mana so oath blues tries to basically make that argument just like oh well i spent the most mana except for it's just like spending all its mana on making three threes and tapping your lands but oath, oath yeah. of druids <laughs> makes this possible right oath of druids yeah, makes it possible it, because your opponent can't uh, while you're doing that your opponent can't spend any spend any mana on their creatures so it's great yeah, but my my argument was not that oath pollution never gets there my argument is that it gets there through its enormous mana count primarily in games where terror and oath of druids are like are like two i shots i games. agree i think that it's and, really and annoying to be there are the, a lot of people who could stop you from doing that it's yeah, not yeah. true of replenish yeah the sphere of resistance deck uh the, like being the sphere of resistance deck is a lot less fun for oath pollution than it than being the oath deck like when oath Plush being the oath deck is good like it's great right like my opponent's literally asking me it's like when are you going to trigger my oath it's like i don't know what to do until until I, you do like i right? was like really concerned i won two two matches at this meetup when i played um magical christmas land death where basically like i just just loaded up on the prison elements like i had multiple sphere of resistance to play or i cast a lot of thermocarsts or whatever but my clock was just like I'm attacking with a mistress factory, like not even a treetop village, because I'm just terrified to cast a a terror They might just kill me, right? Yeah. If I if I if I commit a different direction instead of just casting another thermocars. And that gives them a lot of time, right? And I've just paid like infinite mana with I mean infinite life total with my uh Sylvan Library just so I could just keep keep playing a game where I'm attacking for two, right? Yeah. And, and like that's hyper concerning because like in the games where they went first for example like in both these matchups my opponents just easily won game two like because you know i just just lost instead of them yeah i mean what you what you do yeah well i mean like i said it's like uh like replen- uh, the back to like the replenish thing is just like yeah it kind of works because if you can spend like the replenish deck can like go you know ancient two mox intuition it's like i spent three mana to your one or zero if you floated on one right if you played a treetop village tapped perhaps um and then uh and then you know whatever frantic search uh you know frantic search plus one mana uh and then blah 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 this that whatever just seduce me back to the replenish team it's a really fun deck to play (laughs) but um it will it, it i i haven't i need to get the no, i have to fix up the numbers i'm willing struggles to, against 12 12 though um i'm i think i think it, i think we can i think we can fix that we can fix anything i could fix her um the uh what okay so here's here's the thing that it actually loses to that's super annoying is replenish is really bad against sylvan library <laughs> it's like yeah enjoy the four cards those are free like it's really bad against sylvan library and people are so people are always asking me just like oh you cut seal cleansing from the main deck and i'm just like the only artifact or enchantment that matters in game one 
Is Phyrexian Dreadnought. The only other artifact or enchantment that matters is Sylvan Library, and I don't like playing Seela Cleansing against Sil Silva Sylvan Library because I have to have my thing first, you know, or within the range of one turn. It's like once they've drawn two cards off that Sylvan, and once they've drawn four cards off that Sylvan, it's too late. It's already too late. Yeah. And the thing is that it really does kill you. It's like Oath Pollution is not a bad matchup for Replenish unless it's Oath Pollution with a, uh, you know, 10 card starting hand. Then it gets really dicey. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I still think Replenish is good. It's annoying to play against a meddling mage decks with it. Um, um, but it's always fun. They always like cast the meddling mage and like, oh, please name wrong, wrong thing. Please name the wrong thing. It's like I'm holding like double replenish and they, they name swords or if I'm, I'm holding double parallax wave and they name, name replenish, but they always name the right thing. So that, then it's no fun. All right. So we're officially past two hours in. Yeah, we're allowed to. We are now. We are now allowed to stop. We have to make the two-hour mark because apparently, yeah, given the metrics, people like people games. prefer when the podcast is two hours. I keep apologizing, like, oh, sorry, guys, like the podcast is so long. You know, two hours is such a slog. And then I just like look at our metrics. It's just like, oh well, what are the best episodes of Spike Calling? What are the most popular episodes of Spike Calling? It's like all the ones that go to two and a half hours. Um, but you know, eventually, I have to have my. Are jet, you going like, to publish this one first or the caffeinated one first? Um, I probably should publish just both and just fucking people can just have, <laughs> have a week of just so much, just unlimited so much spike, spike colony. colony. Yeah. All right. So should we just change the name of pre for non idiots? But I don't know how to do that. That's probably super hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm like, a. uh, I'm probably, I don't know if you made me like an admin on the, uh, I'll make you an admin. You could, you could be in charge. And we'd probably, I probably, change the, I probably can't the banner even. from land tax to spike. <laughs> it's funny. The land tax thing is funny though. People are just like, wait, we did it on purpose. It's hilarious. Like, I know. Yeah. Some people don't see the charm. Um, I think, um, Those next time, might, might, are they idiots? Next time it's possible. <laughs> uh, uh, next time we hang out, I'll just like open the admin console on your, um, on your phone or computer or something and we'll figure it out. Or you try to figure it uh, out. You know, you can ask AI questions like this. You can just ask, uh, bard.google.com. You can just be dude, like, just how do I change like the name of my Facebook? Group? Probably doable. Um, yeah. So you think doomsday this week? Uh, just because be Doom do doomsday is just a much more entertaining deck. I would I would brush up on how to make the piles though. Actually, this well, is gonna be, piles by heart. be a fun one for for MJF. It's like, well, when you there's improvise no, a doomsday, there's only four pile sequences. There's there's like it's awesome to improvise a pile though. You gotta yeah, but take take notes of all the piles you improvise. Like take take, take but photos. I would never improvise either. I, write it. I I have a I have a shallow grave. Or I have Mike, a Mike, charm, pretend or I pretend that you came up with the line on the fly instead of coming prepared. And then tell people that you found the line while you're playing. It just makes. I for mean, a better I might story. have to improvise just because my opponent might have removal. There that you go. There you go. That's how you do it. Um, All right. Uh, I have. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, what are we shouting out? Shout out to uh, the pre-modern one K at Endless Life Brewing. It's now on a wait list, so the event is capped. Um, playing no rake cash pre-modern um, at a brewery with cool supporters of the community and format is basically the coolest thing ever. Not to say you should still go play at events that have a rake like uh, Hartford or whatever, because uh, growing the format is going to be good. I want more people out there playing pre-modern. I want more people crushing me with net decked Fran lists. Um, I want more Frans ideally oh, in the future. Man. I want to have just a quick thing after you said that. Sorry, I meant to talk about this. Okay. Lay it All on right. me. 
about net decking, okay? <laughs> I think that there is a very like direct actual response to net decking that solves the net decking issue in one fell swoop. And that is customization. And that like the thing that I, I have had so much joy this week where like I'm just basically playing caffeinated like 60 of caffeinated 75, uh, you know, 59 of caffeinated 60. Yeah. Blue black. Right? Like yeah. no mono red. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. but like, I just had so much joy collecting the pieces to make it. And so you don't necessarily get to make your own deck. I'm putting that in quotes. Like not everybody is a Fran level brewer, but everybody gets to buy magic cards. <laughs> like, you know, like it's funny because like I looked at my basic land choice and people are like, Oh, you could have done better with these. And I'm like, yeah, I could have done better. And then caffeinated was like, I think you should buy the four different secret layers, lightning bolts instead of, instead of the Baldur's Gate lighting bolts. So I did. <laughs> All right. So I'm like unhinged. Only, only like, on pre-modern so for non-idiots boy. and five with the floors Instagram. Will you find um, a heinous burn deck pick? Um, not quite a uh, Phil win level uh, attention to detail as far as printings go, but definitely getting up there. It's pretty close. It's close. It's close. It's pretty close. Yeah. You picked the wrong deck though. Cause curse scroll doesn't have any modern frame printings and you have a few, uh, you have a few things that are just like too good to have in, in the ugly deck, but regardless, um, shout out to, um, you know, everyone, I missed like a month of action, so I really can't shout everything out. I mean, all the tournaments are cool. The mana vault, uh, hosting is super cool. So Jeff green, uh, if you're listening by some chance you rule, um, you know, shout out to, um, uh, is his name? No, Mick, Joel Mick. No, um, his name is no Noah Mickle. Uh, who's been uh, really drumming up uh, excitement in the cube and pre-modern space. Uh, I, I love seeing new players jump into the format, ask questions, he had a, start disrupting he had things. A meet up at a, at a, at a cigar lounge. Yeah. That, um, that is, that is baller. Yeah. So just cool stuff happening. Uh, I, I mean, just the excitement is super good. And so more tournaments, more players, uh, you know, play the game, see the world. Uh, Lobster Con is on the 20th and 21st. The pre-modern universal champs have been announced in Darmstadt in uh, June. So uh, I the universal champs. You're the champion of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the oh, you, yeah. you, those Andromeda pre-modern players got nothing out of us. Um, but uh, yeah, so Universal Champs in Darmstadt have been announced. Um, oh, dude. Uh, I'm already going to be in Germany. Germany. Yeah, I'm going to be in Dur Germany. <laughs> oh, you're for, going to Germany? Well, I'm going to Germany for Taylor Swift, so I can't go back to Germany. <laughs> like, it's going to be a little Did bit you too stay much. stay in Germany? No, the distance is too, because I'm going to be in uh, end of July. I My travel, like, I'm the brokest I've ever been this year, and my travel, like, has somehow ended up being the most busy this year. Yeah, but you can't not go to Taylor Swift. Well, yeah, so I have to go to Taylor Swift, and I, I'm going to Mexico for a wedding, and, uh, you know, I have friends, like, moving out of New York City forever, so we're, like, planning group trips to NOLA, and, like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for all this. Luckily, my parents helped me out, because oh, they're, they're Australian Open fans, so they're just like, oh, just come see the Open with us, and we're like, okay, sounds good. Um, but um, other than that, I doubt international travel for pre-modern is in the cards for me. <laughs> um but yeah, pre, uh, the the Magic Online stuff is going cool. Um, you know, I think Hursty's doing his Magic Online thing. Um, so uh, you know, pre modern is awesome. We love you. Um, 
Uh, I want to, uh, I mean, you know, same deal, uh, hop in the Facebook group, hop in discord or whatever, ask us questions, um, give us some structure or topics to our future episodes, or else we will continue to just talk about whatever we feel like, um, love Ramble for two hours. Yeah. Love, love spy colony. Um, love don't go to college. Love spy colony. Love spy colony. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> All right. Bye.